I do find it funny that um, we were just discussing <laughs> both of us, Jesse. We feel uh, the other one is the bigger movie freak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don is definitely the bigger movie freak. I would have guessed Jesse was. So. No way. Well, okay. You like, I I like the more just like dirtbag stuff, and you you like you don't get the more kind of swore taste. Where I'm just like, oh man, if it if it bangs, I'm gone. You know, if it's, yeah. if it's that if it's that shit crazy in any sense, I'll, I'm in like 100. percent I'll check it out. Why not? You know, where so Don, you're you're a little bit. Uh, you know, you know, a little more timid about like what you actually want to spend <laughs> your time watching. Instead, of, I was like, "Oh, this looks crazy." I'll send Don a YouTube trailer. I was like, "This looks amazing." Godfrey Ho, like I'm a sub soul, <laughs> dude. I don't even care if it doesn't even have an ending. I'll still watch it. But I'm like, man, I just got this Blu-ray copy of like this Eric Romare film from 1986. You got to check it out. What's it about? I mean, people in their 20s talking. <laughs> selfies ways baby <laughs> I'm like it hey, almost God. made my list almost made my list <laughs> I just uh, found out about this new movie uh, it's like this little brown alien hangs out with a boy it's weird it's wild man check this out the first time that's where I'm at that's <laughs> I'm like an the, the, the alien super into Reese's Pieces, like I am. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremia. And welcome to The Academy, and welcome to 2022 cinematic discoveries oh boy get stra strap in go to the bathroom now <laughs> if you yeah. thought avatar 2 if you thought avatar 2 was a long chat <laughs> yeah say goodbye to your tolkien buddy because he's gonna leave you by the time this podcast is over you're not bonding not with take, that whale did not take a bathroom break oh, at no. the way of the water nope didn't leave was there all three hours and ten minutes without not a problem at all i was like i'm not getting yeah. up i'm not missing a moment of this magic oh man I, by the way just really quickly i love the idea of someone watching et and then being like i love reese's pieces so much i find this character so relatable this guy's just like this is a very modern reading it's like i really am an et why i like candy <laughs> I, love, I love candy too and halloween <laughs> Candy and Halloween and being spooky. <laughs> I we um we just got the baby this like baby's uh like art book about mm. the history of Steven's about the history of Steven Spielberg, so it makes me happy too. <laughs> and um I was like <laughs> so there I was like, when do we pop on ET? Probably too soon. We're probably probably too soon for that. She is though, um yeah, you know, she's a, she's addicted to the kids shows, but we've been watching so many Seinfeld reruns lately that she is she has been like stopping in her tracks and just watching Seinfeld with us. Are you worried that when she does her first walk, she's gonna do the Kramer slide? Well, it would be better than better than being George Costanza in any way, shape, or form. 
That it's like out of all the characters, has like a joie de vivre, not the real life person. That's 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 the that's the problem. Is Kramer (laughs) is probably the better person on the TV series, but in real life, well, things do not go as well for Kramer. (laughs) For Mr. Kramer, yeah. I still want to find that band that I saw on a flyer that they named themselves Kramer's Racist. Move over the Beatles. Is a new yeah, act in town. We, got, we got a new act in town and they're pretty good. Take Bob Dylan out of the fucking Rose Bowl. Kramer's Kramer racist Rich. is here. Yes. Anyway, we're counting down. We watched a lot of movies this year. A ton. I actually have my numbers. I'll tell, tell you all in a moment. It's not good. It's not healthy. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll no. talk about it. Um, but first, we got to introduce, we have a guest this week. He has been referenced on the show before as our movie night ally, the lunatic who sends me text messages of YouTube trailers, the rip YouTube trailers that I'm like, that looks amazing. How do I find it? Well, I got to dig a bit. Um, like, this is a, a, a film produced by Run Run Shaw that stars Turkish Batman. All right. Yeah. <laughs> find it and then with like eight heads exploding in the trailer <laughs> practical effects as well but uh he's one of my best friends we've been watching movies for like 20 years together um he is a photographer and movie madman jesse gant welcome to the academy hell yeah well, thanks thanks for having me we are pumped to hear your list like <laughs> I know that you and I have told each other about every one of the movies on our lists at some point this year, but we just don't know which ones ended up in this final place. Well, I just had a hard time remembering if it was like late 2021 or 2022. And like, okay. And I, I kind of figured it out. So some of these I feel might be like, did I see this 2021 or 2022? I just, it's, I still have a memory of it and I haven't really mm-hmm. talked about it. So, so a few of those still might end up on here. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped to hear yours. Pumped to hear yours too, Patrick. We shared a lot of experiences at the uh, both movie night and the yes. New Beverly this year. So oh, we'll man. see if there's any level of um, crossover. I wonder. I, I hope not. Unless that if I guess that there is crossover, that just means this movie's really fucking good. Like, it's like a movie seal of approval. Knocked I... us all on our asses. Like... <laughs> It's a certified ass breaker, folks. Watch this film. Yeah. <laughs> one arm boxer is on everyone's list. No, yes. spoiler. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> I mean, it is the best. You know, talking about uh, we were talking about Die Hard before the recording. You know, movies with a bunch of guys. That is the ultimate movie. Movie as just uh, filming a bunch of guys, the weirdest guys. Just yeah, insane it's like... assassins. And it, I mean, it gives you everything you want from a movie called. The one-armed boxer, <laughs> like it, it lives up to to every aspect of that. The way you know how to become an even better fighter with one arm than with two, it may be shocking. You may be surprised. <laughs> but then we have we have the proof. It's here. This guy gets us. <laughs> um, and not the only one-armed um revenge movie that we watched this year, <laughs> but oh either. <laughs> One-armed executioner was also involved, and um, you know, before we really dive in here, I think it's worthwhile giving a shout out to the New Beverly Cinema, the Pure Cinema Podcast, the Video Archives Podcast, and the Video Store Video Tech in Pasadena, Ooh. which supplied us with 
something like 80% of, of our wrecks, of our things that we were driving to track down um, and everything. And then the last 20%, I think, were from Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Out of that group. But uh, Movies Rule, it was great. It was a, like for me at least, it was too much. I went too far this year. The addiction ran high. Oh, no. And, so my total is as of December 26th, I did not finish highball and I have 18 minutes left. So that will be added to the list at some point here <laughs> shortly. But um, as it stands, I watched 429 movies this year that I had never seen before in my life. And I watched 577 movies total. Come on, dude. Of course, more than one a day. <laughs> so, holy holy, holy. <laughs> this is what happens when your daughter, for a quarter of the year, is strapped to the floor in a near full body cast, and you really can't do much. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, no. That's still pretty sick, though. That rules. That's I mean, good. I'm never going to top it. And if I top it next year, if I say this next year and I say 578 movies, I just, I'm going to end the show. The yeah. podcast is over. I gotta, I gotta, I need an intervention. <laughs> no, at that point, you're a movie themed Batman villain. You're Mr. Movies. And you, mm. you have Batman. Locked but this is, this is like, this is like the issue with boxed because I get so obsessed with like the numbers and looking at my stats and shit like that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the same thing that I, I had, like, the Peloton bike. I'm, like, obsessed with all the numbers and everything like that. It's just, like, you got to get some help, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, but, like, the, the, the bike's good. That's, like, self-improvement. That's Here, healthy. And, actually, this go. is this is good. If I could balance my time a little bit, I think that would be nice. But, you know, there are people we know. There are a lot of people we know. Most of them attend our movie nights once a month. Who are who are going at high who are hitting high numbers as well in 2022 and um, I don't know about you guys but it's almost you get a little competitive. Mm. Oh, they're seeing this. I gotta see this. You know, it's kind of like oh, I want to like I want to be in the conversation for this thing. Do you ever feel that way, Jesse? Yeah and no. Um, you know, I try to fit in as much as I can when I can because. Uh, work is consuming i'm assuming it you know it's it's, it's different if you're just like always working from home but you know i, I don't have access to a screen on a, a full-time basis but uh, yeah no i'm kind of like missing out it's like oh that looks rad i want to check that out add it to the queue and the queue keeps on growing and growing and growing so, yeah no there there's like oh i got i gotta watch them all yeah, and like those podcasts that we just mentioned, they give. I mean, can't recommend them more. They're a better show than ours, but um, they give so many good recommendations. And the way that they kind of introduce them, especially Tarantino's show, he's got this tone in his voice. Like, of course we've seen. It. You haven't seen it, and it's like, damn it, I feel shamed. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Sick you wait, you sick fuck. You haven't seen Innocence with Dirty Hands. Come on, <laughs> it's like it's, it's hard to find. Like, I, I, I had to, 
I had to work hard to track down that DVD that I ended up getting so Jesse and I could both watch it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you haven't seen incredible. every Phil Carson yeah, it's film? Yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was worth it. Oh, boy. But yeah, it was like, it was an awesome year. Like, our movie nights have been absolutely killer all the way through. We've introduced a lot of normie friends to a lot of freaky-ass movies. That's a good feeling. <laughs> oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, like... was, that was great. Well, I'm just I'm surprised <laughs> that people have stuck around. You know, we don't always make it to the third or fourth film, but that's okay. But, you know, for the most part, people aren't leaving early. So mm-hmm. something's grabbing their attention. So <laughs> yeah. Makes I mean, me feel we look... good as an amateur programmer. <laughs> we we live in a world where like uh, cozy my our friend uh, cozy has watched the movie riot that's crazy that's an insane <laughs> a very like like a film that's almost antithetical to his uh his his like way of being he has witnessed and that's kind of cool i don't know yeah, he had a good hey. time watching there's more great vhs fun on the way in the new year so. Yeah, that has become the uh, lately addiction for Jesse and I to listeners. Is um, was it we're having access to all the streaming services, a really good video store, and it uh, excellent Blu-ray collection enough. Absolutely not. <laughs> so we have gone to scouring eBay for even weirder titles that yeah, never have made it to DVD. <laughs> and find some good stuff. We have a backlog, dude. We got to like do like we a big. Clear it out, dude. Yeah, we got to clear yeah. it out before you get some new stuff. You got to do <laughs> some sort of like no. Mondo movie marathon. Yeah, when Robert Davi is in like three fourths of the movies that we're picking up. <laughs> It's like not a great sign. <laughs> when he Thanks. showed up at Die, when he showed up at Die Hard yesterday, I was like, "Oh, he's in a real movie." <laughs> oh, like yeah. this, like the number one lead in this film is Armand Desante. Oh no. Yeah. Well, it's like um, you know, our boy. You know, before we get started here, we've all had an expand chance to think about him enough this year. What was everyone's favorite Wingshauser discovery? <laughs> this year speaking of our straight to video boy that's mine too art of dying that was so (laughs) wild i i I got a couple more in the queue for next year that might break that but as it stands right now art of dying was just fantastic it's just like if you ever want to see a a naked from the waist down wings hauser pour a gallon of milk on some gal um this is your movie. <laughs> like, I mean, if that's not cinema, I don't know what is. Like, I, this is, you know, take out the Mona Lisa, put that in the Louvre, brother. Yeah, because I did not include a Wings movie in my top 10, but Wings has been such a defining figure of the last year of filmic discoveries for us that I think I had to bring him up real quick at the very least. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he definitely deserves some time on here for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, but some of our other favorite, some other favorites that we've talked about a lot over the year, I'm sure, will come up momentarily here. But I, let, why don't we just? We got a lot to get through. We each have ten movies. Holy cow, thirty movies for all you people out there in listener land to dive into after this. This will be cool for you. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I hope. Um, let's dive into it though, uh, Patrick. Why don't you go first? I'm cu- curious what you got as number one. Yeah. Um, it's or not, t- actually, um, I have mine in alphabetical order, by the way. 
Oh I'm yeah, not, no, my, mine's in uh, mine's in chronological order. Yes, I'm with you there. Like, uh, because it's like it's this is like the type of thing for me where like these aren't like my ten favorite discoveries of the year. These are just like ten like cool movies that uh, I think you should see if you haven't seen them. Uh, and yeah, just a warning. Uh, I I just I have a paucity of like cool movies on my list. Probably I still have some surprisers. I'll have some weird ones on there, but I'm not gonna be able to. I just don't have like the Don Jesse. You guys go to like the 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 depths of eBay and like find the most <laughs> like you'll find the one like you know erotic eighties drama starring Vern Troyer. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> or, like you'll find like a, a movie where like Brett Favre was like they tried to turn him into a star, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> him and Stacy Keach's brother solving mysteries or some shit. So like yeah, I would I would I would um. If that movie had come out in like 1994-95 when Brett Favre was like young and in something about Mary and they tried to get put him in an action movie, I would absolutely watch that movie. <laughs> like without questioning. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, him and him and Joe Don Baker solving a crime. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, ten yeah. out of ten. Well, it's like, Someone's um, like still wearing his like football getup or his like cleats at least, like the solving. <laughs> Well, that the closest we ever got was the wonderful Ken Wall movie, The Taking of Beverly Hills, where he's taking out. Um, was that Robert Davi again in that one? Yeah, Davi's in there too, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, Davi, Davi he's, wearing his, he's wearing his football jersey while taking out terrorists in a, who are trying to take Beverly Hills. Mm. <laughs> so, so Patrick, what do you got? Oh man, my first movie. Uh, so. God, you know, and I was joking about, so, I, you know, on the subject of, like, uh, E.T. and all that, I've seen E.T. a million times. I saw, I've saw that, but, like, there are still, like, huge, like, gaps in my film history, right? Like, uh, I saw Casablanca for, like, the first time this year, so for some, somehow I'd missed Casablanca, and this isn't, this isn't like, number one, I promise, but uh, watching Casablanca, uh, one thing that, like, popped out to me is, like, I love Peter Lorre and I love Sidney Greenstreet. These are, like, two weird guys, and I want to, like, like, I kind of wish the movie was more about these two weirdos hanging out. <laughs> what And so there's like a movie that kind of asks the question and answers. What would happen if Casablanca was just about Peter Laurie and Sidney Greenstreet, like, hanging out and being weird guys together? And that movie is uh, The Mask of Demetrius. Come closer. I have another story to tell you. Astounding. Incredible. Fabulous tale of Demetrius, an evil genius whose crimes baffled the continent for 20 years. Will of the Wisp, whose face the police had never even seen. But Demetrius hid behind many masks, an obscure peasant one day, banker the next. Man? No, a devil, without heart or soul or conscience. I knew him only too well, but Demetrius... A little surprised, Peterson? Demetrius, utterly without scruples, completely immoral, but fascinating. I feared him, yet I loved him. As far as I know, no government ever caught Demetrius. And I knew I hated him enough to kill him. It's directed by uh, John... Uh... 
Negulesco, I wanted to make sure I said that properly, written by Frank Gruber, uh, goes at a steady 95 minutes, and it's just like, basically Peter Lorre uh, plays like this Dutch writer who's like on vacation in uh, like the Ottoman, I guess it's like Turkey at the time, and uh, he kind of like learns about this uh, figure, Demetrius, who just like passed away, and like how his like exploits are kind of like vile. And he's, like, compelled to, like, go from country to country to learn, like, more about his, like, life. So he can, like, you know, write a great, like, crime novel about this weird man. And along the way, he realizes he's being followed by this uh, individual from Demetrios' past who's convinced that he's still alive, played by Sidney Greenstreet. And so the movie is cool because it's, like, you get to see Peter Lorre portrayed as, like, a hero and a normal guy. Like, I always love it when, like, a dude who's, like, a total fucking freak in most movies. Like, it's, it's like, it's, like, refreshing when you see, like, a Steve Buscemi get to play a dad. <laughs> or, like, someone who's, like, yeah, they're, like, it's, like, how, like, John Gemberling in Broad City is, like, so, de- like, depraved and, like, in everything afterwards he has to play a depraved individual and so peter laurie had that on a massive scale so it's kind of nice to see that and it's just i don't know sydney green street's very charming i really liked watching this movie and i had just i had no realized the movie existed where these two character actors got to play off each other with like witty banter so long so that's like my first that's my number one choice the mask of demetrius uh and i think you can like rent that on amazon prime never heard of it and i want to see it it's really good. That it's, sounds good. Yeah. It whips. If you're a Peter Lorre head, give it a watch. What year did it? Do you know? Uh, 1944. Oh, great. Right That's like an early, the, yeah. Uh, like... Yeah, right there. That sounds great. I uh, Good pick, Patrick. Man, off to a hot start with only one movie in. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, Jesse, what do you have as your first uh, choice of the evening? Uh, I've got so much to choose from, but the one <laughs> that stands out to me the most is just as far as just being ridiculous. It definitely has to be Brigade of Death. another wings great wings movie this is like the french equivalent like of that but it just seems yeah it just goes a little bit darker but nothing like too crazy but on a little the darker than like, vice this school. is like 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 if you if you took like police the depardieu movie and you put uh and you got um vice squad and you made a baby that would be this movie and it just hits hard and this, I wish there was a period in French cinema where they did more of this kind of stuff. And this seems to be the only one I've at least found so far that just like goes for it. It's like total 
revenge, you know, home dude's sister or I forget if it's a sister or his like uh, niece or something is kidnapped and then he's just got to take him down and like he'll go through hell or high water to do so. There's a chainsaw involved. There's a crazy dude and overalls who's shirtless, who's got grenades and all this crazy mayhem ensues. <laughs> and there's like a really rad like motorcycle motorcycle chase. And it's just it's just so much fun. You know? And it's like you can't find it anywhere. It's just like you gotta get the the French, you know, uh region two DVD blue, but uh heavily, heavily recommend this flick. This is one you've been telling me about the last couple months. Yeah, we've got to watch it, it. I, it's, yeah. it's, it. It's so good. I uploaded it to YouTube because I couldn't find a copy. So if you're dying to see it, it's available on YouTube. Thanks. You should send us that just link, so, Jesse. We could we could put it on our Twitter feed, the link to it. Just don't give me a copyright strike after, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse doing the Lord's work by putting Brigade well, of yeah, Death on YouTube. So Art of Dying DVD also on that same app. Uh, same account so you got two lost treasures to be found on the same youtube page yeah the brigade of death man i really want to see this one this one you have talked up very well and you know like the combination of exploitation and french movie <laughs> will, will, yeah. will get me going well, no matter what well i mean okay, you had me a french rice squad <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well okay don you're a connoisseur of french films have you like what? What's the closest thing is like police? And I don't know, I think what's like, police? Exploitation. No. Yeah. I mean, well, like I watched um, the female executioner that Severin put out a few months ago. Yeah, I, which, yeah, I saw that too. But that's more that's of like that um, didn't. It's not Vice Squad. You know, no, you want if you want a, like because it's a little too um, <sighs> dabbling in softcore. Yeah, it's, it's too much of a softcore. It doesn't hit hard with like the, the batshit crazy, like severed hands and limbs, you know? Like, well, I think it's like you want, because, like, of course, it's an exploitation movie. There should be some racy stuff. But at the same yeah. time, it's also like, what do we want? Like, awesome fist fights, car chases, like gunfights. Yes, we want all of those too. Duh. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> We don't want to just linger on the sex. Come on, we want more than that. No. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, like a, like there's, a been, there's, there's ones that come close, and obviously we loved like the, the Belmondo, Delon, kind of crime stuff is all terrific, but it doesn't get as like. You want kind of like that Hollywood Boulevard kind of Angel Vice Squad track down. Kind of feel, but in France, sleeves, dude, yeah, you know? no, sleeves that like man on a mission, yeah, yeah. They don't get that with the French so much. It's like it's it's a shame that they couldn't find like Jean oh. Gabon's son to play, like like somebody trying to go on a revenge hunt or something, like a son of like Alain Delon's like illegitimate son or something like that should be in one of these movies. Gerard Depardieu's daughter. <laughs> Uh, Gerard Depardieu's children's situation is not great. Look it up, folks. <laughs> oh, no. oh God! I say that as a guy who spent a who spent a lot a strange amount of time with Gerard Depardieu this year watching movies. So, um, <laughs> both for the show and then for my own pleasure. 
<laughs> I I gotta see Brigade of Death. Uh, two movies I gotta see. You guys have uh, taught me. I did. We can set it up. Five five hundred seventy seven movies. Those two I have not seen. That's how many damn movies there are. Um, uh, my number, my first movie um, this evening, much more known I think than either of your guys's, but um, it's After the Thin Man. You made any New Year's resolutions? Not yet. Any complaints or suggestions? Few. You don't scold, you don't nag, and you look far too pretty in the mornings. All right, I'll remember. Must scold, must nag, mustn't be too pretty in the mornings. The second Thin Man movie from 1936, Ooh. directed by W.S. Van Dyke. I watched it on either the Criterion Channel or HBO Max, one of the two, they both ran it this year. Um, the Thin Man series, despite being a big like noir fan and mystery fan of the classic Hollywood era, had kind of always eluded me. I'd never given it a try. Mm-hmm. And um, Jen and I started watching them together this fall and um, we fell in love almost immediately with these movies. These are among the most delightful movies ever made, frankly. And maybe the best on-screen couple ever. <laughs> yeah, the combination of, like, banter and alcoholism is so good. Like, And so it, funny, and then the mystery's fun, too, and they are just so, like... Like, even the two actors, William Powell and Marina Loy, like, I didn't really know very well and criterion channel ran this entire murder Lois series so i watched manhattan melodrama whipsaw i love you again as well among others they were all delightful um it's a strange thing to develop a crush on someone who has been dead for like 30 years and will be like 120 years old (laughs) like it's a strange feeling what that only cinema could give you and um this is the second one in the series. This is my favorite one. It has a it has an ending that moved me to tears both times I watched it. Mm-hmm. It is one of the movies this year. Like my favorite movies are the ones that I because I inevitably watch like all of these by myself. But then, like the second it's over, I have to go grab Jen and I'm like, let's restart it. I will watch it again because I want to share this with you. Ah. Uh. And that was kind of how this started with the Thin Man series. And she was immediately like on board too. She was like, that is so delightful. And so I went and looked it up. And I remember when I worked at the record store, they had this box set of all the Thin Man movies, plus a bonus disc of like documentaries and that kind of thing. Oh, nice. And it's like all, it's ultra out of print. It's like 170 bucks on Amazon and eBay. And then they came out in individual blues. But for some reason, there was part of me that wanted to get this like, I really wanted this box that I remembered when I was, even though it's like lesser quality, but I want all the special features too, which I don't yeah. think were ported, were ported over. So we were in Carpinteria on a day trip up there. Sometimes we like to go to the beach and show Hadley the beach up there on like a day trip. And they have a DVD used bookstore on their main drag there. And I found Strange Days on DVD there the out of print strange days DVD. So I was like, this place has got like good mojo. Like, I think that Mm. there's a possibility here. And I had 
the Thin Man box set and the old Val Luton box set in my mind. I was like, maybe they have one of these things. Strolling through, strolling through. $35. The Thin Man box set is sitting on their on their shelf. I was like, sold, baby. So it's on my shelf now. And I love them. I cherish these movies. This is just one of them. I would say that this spot actually probably goes to the entire series. But my favorite is part two because I love the end of part two. I love the mystery of part two. Jamie, Jimmy Stewart is in part two. So Ooh, like a before, young Jimmy Stewart. It's like one of his final supporting roles that he played before he broke out as a you know full scale leading man for the next like fifty years or however, yeah, however like long he was so he died yeah like yeah <laughs> yeah basically but um, can't recommend these enough these like we're heading into New Year's too and these are good New Year's movies hang, mm. either New Year's Eve hang out and have drinks while watching them or New Year's Day hungover sit around and watch them and I will say, um, um my, my parents love yeah my parents love these movies too so like uh they're gonna love uh i'll tell them that you like them because like i think we might have that box set because we have a lot of different like mystery uh we have thin man we have some other ones we might have charlie chan i don't know those are bad you probably shouldn't probably shouldn't be watching those nowadays dated some would dated. say they were dated. A little, some a little dated, <laughs> but uh, uh, like yeah, no, that's, that's cool. But that's a delightful thing about the Thin Man series is that, like, the best part is the two of them are complete equals. They are in mm-hmm. like a loving relationship. That they go on adventures and they talk shit about each other, and they're in love with each other romantically and as friends. They get all the time together. It's great. It's just oh, and it should be noted they're um. William Powell is Nick Charles. He is the world's greatest detective. His wife is um, rich debutante. It's not want to be a detective anymore, but um, she's just a little too into the fact that he gets involved in these things and wants to kind of push him back toward detecting. And they have adventure after adventure together doing so. And it's just great to see because like, you wouldn't expect a movie from the 30s and the 40s to have a couple be complete and utter equals like this. Yeah. It's really it's a... among many among the many joys of this series. So I can't recommend these higher. I loved they they made me so happy to discover these movies this year. Hell yeah. So Patrick, what do you got next? Oh man. So this is probably the biggest uh movie on my list, uh, but I really I really enjoyed it and I had to put it on. It's uh and I've talked to Don about this movie a couple times already, I think. It's uh David Lean's Hobson's Choice. <sighs> Big fun. If you really want to rock with laughter, to revel in a love story with a backward lad, a brazen lass. Nay, I couldn't. And a boisterous parent then it's Hobson's choice for you. <laughs> Master comedian Charles Lawton is the self-made, selfish Henry Hobson. John Mills, the lovable, laughable William Usson. And as Maggie Hobson, the master's daughter, a new star is born in Brenda DeBanzi, as she takes you every step of her determined way with the reluctant William Usson. I've been watching you for a long time, and everything I've seen, I've liked. I think you do for me. 
What way, Miss Maggie? You're walking out with me. Peel Park, Sunday. You put aside your weakness for my Maggie if you were liking for a sound skin. I was none wanting thy Maggie. It was her that was after me. But I tell you this, Mr. Robson, if you touch me with that belt, I'll take a quick and stick to her like glue. There's never one answer to that kind of talk. Oh man, released in uh, released oh. in 1954, 107 minutes. It's such a fucking banger. It's like one of the best. Uh, it's dude. one of the best adaptations of a play. Yeah. Uh, dude, it fucking rules. Charles Lawton is like the best. Uh, he is like the both the prototype and the best version of the slovenly Archie Bunker Homer Simpson esque father. <laughs> <laughs> this, and like he is like he is the blueprint that everything has come from, and no one stopped it because the blueprint was perfect, baby. Uh, he's um, Charles Lawton plays this uh, uh, brutish, uh, I guess like cobbler's like shoe shop owner in uh, 18th century England in Manchester. He has three daughters. He refuses to let his uh, oldest one Maggie mar- get married. She's like 30, and he's like, ah, you're over, you're you're. You're too old. You're overdone. You're too old to marry at thirty. It's <laughs> just not the sentiment nowadays. So you have to like work at my shoe shop forever. That's what he's like, and he's just—he's a total asshole too. It's great watching this guy go to his bar, do nothing, have everyone cooking clean for him. He's like constantly talking shit at this horrible British pub he goes to. Uh, he hates the the uh, people that are practicing abstinence across the street or whatever that uh, run a uh, like run like a grain like a seed like they have like corn they have a bunch of corn in like a in a in a basement and he may fall into that basement drunkenly we'll find out folks uh, <laughs> but uh it's just um the movie kind of turns into uh the the oldest of this of his daughters um kind of bucking his father's wishes and taking the best uh shoe cobbler that works for his father uh played by John Mills uh and he's great as this like bumbling buffoon who kind of gets like pushed around by Maggie. And Maggie's like, I'm going to marry you and we're going to start a business together. And you can't say no to this. And initially it's like a lot for this guy to take in because, yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot to take in initially. Um, but uh, he's able to like kind of learn his own self-value from her and she like attains hers. And it's cool watching them grow as the father sort of, you know, kind of devolves into a a drunken stupor towards the end of the film. Uh, it also just looks so good. It's so, like, immaculately shot. Every, like, uh, just, like, the, the use of light. There's, like, a scene where Charles Lawton's character, who's, like, this big, like, 350 pound, or maybe, like, maybe not 350, but, like, 300. He's a big guy. He's a big boy. He's, like, drumping, drunkenly... <laughs> Drumpingly, drunk, drumpingly. Uh, oh, I was well. That because you said <laughs> you got the uh, it warmed your way into his head. You wanted to say big guys. He's a big guy. He's a big boy. <laughs> this absent <laughs> big boy. <laughs> Love his shoe shop. This absent guy. 
misunderstood. He's a good guy. <laughs> he's got he's got he had choices. He says, what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> that is too old. I told Ivanka you can't marry. You can't marry. You're too old. You're no, over 30. No, no. I said you're not marrying this cobbler. You should marry Tom Brady. <laughs> Very oh my god, I'd love to see a uh, Trump fucking Hobson's choice. But uh, there's like a scene not where um, no, not at all. Uh, there's a scene not uh, where not, no, no, never. No movies, Bloodsport. Uh, but but uh, but uh, Charles Lawton is like drunkenly shambling out of a bar at night, and there's like a full moon, and he just like is in. Uh, he sees like the full moon and like there's like a bunch of puddles and he sees the full moon in each like puddle basically and he tries to jump on the moon in like every That's puddle. Beautiful. It's a gorgeous. I love that and it culminates. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite movies of the year. It's so easily rewatchable. It's just like dialogue's really good. Cinematography's. It's just cool to see a movie done perfectly. It's one of those. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. So yeah, treat yourself the, um, to a perfect film, folks. I love the large scale david lean movies as much as anybody else does but um Hobson choice brief encounter life spirit passionate friends these ones are the ones you go back to i think a little bit more often than the four hour let's blow up a bridge well, he bring, well, I think part of it too is he brings that like attention to detail that is unexpected yeah. in a film of this size to those movies and just, yeah, like everything. I love like the design of like the cobbler's house, how like the, the cobblers like literally like work in this weird basement under the store and they're constantly coming up and down. Uh, there's just like all these like really like fun tidbits and you can tell it was made with someone who fucking gives a shit. And I appreciate that because sometimes you'll watch a movie and you're like, where am I? Where is this generic place? Why are you? This is clearly you're filming in Romania, but you're trying to say this is the middle of, you know, <laughs> of Cleveland, Ohio. You can't pull this on me, Phil. Nice try. Well, I think the other thing, too, before is that um, David Lean is such a master of cinema that he can take a play. And there are many, many movies that have been based on plays that you can absolutely they are based on a play because they don't yeah. do anything with cinema. They just like yeah. present it, and he's doing real, shit. The real like the real like freaking studs know how to like turn that into actual cinema. <laughs> like, he, take, he takes it to the next level, brother. It's, yeah, but you would it's, you show that movie to someone they don't believe it's a big play. They scoff at you. They and scoff like, at no, you. No, no, no. Yeah, they scoff at you. Twenty twenty two. They scoff at you. <laughs> Yeah, scoff, scoff, and they use. The, that's how they do it. They just yell yes. scoff. Hey, <laughs> <I> scoff. <laughs> hey, scoff. Uh, that's a great pick, Patrick. Two, two excellent, classy picks Ooh, from Patrick. Classy boy, uh, Jesse. What do you got for your second one? As cla- well, is it as classy? You guys, I, I feel like a real scumbag, but you know. Uh, I, I'm, you know, like Patrick. Don't beat yourself up. You're, you're making. I'm actually jealous because I, I have a feeling. I know Don definitely has a lot more classics than me. I, for somehow weird reason, had this huge run this year. It was just like horror, Jallo, Italian crime, and just like messed up stuff. I don't know if it was the mood I was in, but that was like primarily what I watched. Like, oh, I could have watched like some classics that I didn't still on my list. I'll probably go to them next year. But uh, for my number two pick, 
We're still staying at the action, and uh, we're going to our good friend, Mr. Alan Delon, or Elaine Delon, uh, with big guns out of 1973. Happy birthday, young man. And may you have many, many more. Oggi quasi certamente sto sbagliando su di te. Greenwald! funny we were talking about when Belmondo passed away last year how we were when we first we were watching a lot of movies with Belmondo in like the early 2000s we were like picking up like his French action movies and being like man why didn't he make more like movies with and that it was like got to 2022 and we're like picking up his like guitar movies it's like you know I really wish I would rather watch him like ride a subway shooting at people <laughs> like, like yeah no uh, <laughs> dude i still want to see the night hunter the one where mm. he's jumping off the rooftops and whatnot it's like man, he's going for it nothing to say he's not going for it in the professional or hunter will get you or any of these other ones but i love i love 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 professional that one is uh maybe my favorite of his actions for anybody. yeah yeah but he he rules because he did so many great art films, but he also did so many great like 
action movies and like mainstream kind of movies and he did all of his own stunts so god bless well, shows, him. Man, especially yeah. this day and age it's like he even got cgi blood and just, ugh, it looks so bad when bruce willis annihilates that terrorist's knees when they explode in the when before bruce has to walk on the glass and i every time we watch that jen's like oh my god that's rough and i was like they just don't do it anymore like this was like a huge movie and they annihilated this dude's legs. Like when we watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller earlier today at the end in the shootout, the Reverend guy gets shot in the arm. His arm gets blown off and it's hanging by like a tendon in like a Robert Altman movie. Ugh. Yeah. We've lost God our way. It's today, man. It's today. Don't know that makes fun. A bunch yeah. of baby, but baby movie watchers. Big Guns, though. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. I'm you know, a huge DeLon fan, huge Italian crime fan. I want to see this combo. Yeah, this is, this is definitely worth checking out. I highly recommend it. Uh, my number two movie, Patrick, you were there. July 12th, Ooh. 2022. The new Beverly Cinema. The film, 1978's Big Wednesday. Big Wednesday. The day you face your own biggest challenge. The day you risk it all. The day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. It'll come again. It'll be a swell so big and strong it'll wipe clean everything that went before it. That's the day this board will be written. And that's when Matt and Jack and Leroy, they could distinguish themselves. It was their time. They were the kings. I can't make it! I can't make it! sharing the great adventure of being young together. Jan Michael Vincent is Matt Johnson, a reluctant hero to a generation that would forget him. Billy Cat is Jack. He was the first to accept responsibility. Gary Busey is Leroy, the masochist, a careful student of the art of being reckless. Big Wednesday, the story of a generation, of every generation, Growing up, leaving home, changing. Some marry, some die, some search for a new spot. It's gonna be like nothing anybody has ever seen. Are Jack and Leroy gonna be here tomorrow? Are they gonna be here? I never got a hold of those guys, Bear. They're not coming tomorrow. There's nobody coming tomorrow. It isn't just us. There's nobody else left but us. There's nobody left to pass anything on to. But the three friends will meet again on that special day they waited a decade to face. moment of truth now is the time of decision and for matt jack and leroy judgment day is here big wednesday
John yeah. Milius. Yes. I, I gave you that. I, I didn't want to put this on my list because I was like, ah, the Don loves this boy. I knew this you, was a Don. Yeah. Patrick was there when I was like walking out of the movie about to faint because I was like crying about how much I love the movie. You're like, you're like when you're like someone who like uh, either has a religious experience or when someone like in the 80s let, um, was really into Jackie Chan, found out you couldn't date him. Or they found out he had a girlfriend, and they just like were like throwing themselves out of buildings because they couldn't like <laughs> a future I, without Jackie Chan yeah. is impossible. A future without Big Wednesday. I Big Wednesday. Uh, so I think I've mentioned it's a um, the epic tale of three young men played by Jan Michael Vincent, Gary Busey, and William Cat as they start off as being way too old for their roles. But there's yeah. a reason for it. John Milius, they're going to age like 10 years in the movie, and they're <laughs> just right by the end of the movie. <laughs> Check out two old three, guys. Three friends who are hotshot surfers who have to deal with aging, growing up, the conflict in Vietnam, etc., etc., through the late 60s to the mid-70s in this epic journey from John Milius, the poet laureate of... Um, Christian gun-toting lunatics, conservative yeah. gun-toting lunatics, um, and the guy who, if you ask Steven Spielberg, if you ask George Lucas, if you ask Francis Coppola, if you ask Martin Scorsese, was the best writer of his generation. And for my money, despite his screenwriting work on other movies like Apocalypse Now, the Indianapolis speech in Jaws, Big Wednesday is my my favorite contribution John Mayus wow. has given to cinema. Um, as from a from specifically from him, Jaws is a better folks. Jaws is a better movie. But, um, oh yeah. yeah. But, like, but Big oh. Wednesday is a moving, amazing tribute. Tarantino said it's so good. Surf those asshole surfers do not deserve this movie. Because it's so, because he hated surfers, <laughs> and he's it, it, so is such a beautiful journey, and the end of the movie, when the big Wednesday waves finally come up, and they walk to the beach to catch those waves, is outside of the wild bunch. There is nothing better <laughs> for like a walk up to like uh like a for your for your fucking destiny is what it is all about. It, this is what they've been leading up to, led, of course, by star surfer Matt, played by Jan Michael Vincent, mm. who, who will never, ever forget heading into this final sequence when he's sneaking out of the house. He has accepted his fate as like a pool cleaner and his like family and his wife and stuff like that. He's sneaking out of the house and his wife goes, where are you going? And he turns and it's, Jan Michael Vincent was always like way boyish because he was playing. He was like 38 years old playing 22 year olds throughout the entire right. 70s. But he looks at her and he goes, "I'm going surfing." It's like the most innocent. Like after all he's been through, it's like such like this pure moment of finding childhood and chi- finding everything that like drove him as a person in his life early. And it's just like it's so moving. And having watched. JMV, Jan Michael Vincent has been a key figure in our cinema watching this year. We've watched a lot of movies with this guy. He had a, like, bad of bad of a go of it. 
as one could have. Ooh. Like he fell into all sorts of addictions and abuses and you know, he died a few years back, like North Carolina in like a nursing home. And but this guy at one point was in a lot of movies. And you know, he's pretty good in them. Like, yeah. like, and he's an interesting guy. Like when you see him and he pops up and stuff like he does Busey stuff in this, and Busey's such a brilliant actor. Before he lost his mind, he was like, his, like if he's in it, I want to watch it. In like the seventies through the eighties into the early nineties, like he's great in every movie I he's in. I, I was talking with Jesse about like uh, I recently watched uh, the the Buddy Holly story, and he's great in the Buddy Holly story. He's like fucking he the dude could act. Like I think people think he's like a joke, and you know who know like there's reasons for that now he, unfortunately he is literally the reason people like everyone says oh under siege is the actually good seagal movie it's because of gary Busey. Yes! <laughs> gary Busey carries that whole entire well Tom, don't forget about tommy lee that, jones I, I, yeah you're right tommy lee jones is phenomenal in no, under siege. one more yeah. one more tommy lee jones jacket carries that fucking movie mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, Tom- studded jacket Holy Tommy dude. and uh, Gary like see the writing on the wall with Seagal, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to like put some real juice into this, some Get juice and energy guns. into this movie." Yeah. But <laughs> it's like, you know, we watched um, Buster and Billy this year, which could have made this list. Buster and Billy was a very interesting movie. Um, watched Vigilante Force the other day. Hooper with. Um, Burt Reynolds was excellent. And um, I don't think it was this year, but Jesse and I watched Hit List, the um, William Lustig movie that Jan Michael Vincent is in. And I'm looking forward to, I've been saving Defiance for the right rainy day. But I want, like, he's an inter- he's an interesting figure, a tra- like a, a, a true strange lost soul. And those guys are, like, interesting to watch, even if in their personal life they were... A true mess and i think this was his this was his greatest um this is his greatest performance this is his greatest role in big wednesday and big wednesday just moved me beyond belief i couldn't believe that guy fell asleep remember that guy who was snoring patrick uh, oh my god yeah, you, it, yeah it's, it's one thing yeah, to snore he got booted <laughs> yeah that's, that's the phone of the face come on it's yeah that's as that's so much of a phone man but i can't recommend big ones it's so good it's it lived up to everything. It had been a movie I'd want to see for many many years, and seeing it the night before I turned forty was um, a moving evening. And I still haven't seen California Dreaming yet. I want to, but we couldn't really. There was like New Beverly sometimes like totally get like a one meal movie, yeah. but sometimes they'll put a second movie on. And you're like, man, what? Are we gonna watch this after I just have my ass <laughs> like knocked out? By, by this other movie like the other night when i saw a wild bunch in deliverance it was the wildest double feature because it's like after the wild bunch like i gotta watch another movie like, and it's like, deliverance. yeah right that is like having like two prime ribs at fucking lowry's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, 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 I went to the old country buffet and i didn't come back <laughs> you know what I'm you ready for your tomahawk, sir? No, I haven't even finished my Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, no kidding, but 
Big Wednesday is wonderful. I can't recommend it more. I was so happy. It was out of everything on this list. It was like one of two movies that I was like, no chance it was not going to make my den. Gotcha. That's all. I bought it. It's in my collection. I love it. Hell, that's yeah. You bought me the ticket, Patrick. Ah, I was not. Thank you. You're welcome. And you buy me tickets all the time. So it's even (laughs) Steven. Uh, but uh, and just that tri- <laughs> the trio of like Jan Michael Vincent, William Cat, and Gary Busey that is like an un. I don't think there's a, a film trio that beats that. That's pretty. That's pretty incredible. For, I wish like, a... million regret is William Cat showed up the next day for the second for the July thirteenth screening, no. and the gal who played Gary B- the gal who played Jan Michael Vincent's wife, whose name I'm forgetting. Now, they were both there for a Q and A afterwards. That would have been um. I would like to hear some stories. Oh, for about, sure. If, about that set. <laughs> hell, even Robert England. He was like on the fringes. Robert England. Oh, you know who else is in it? Is Reb Brown, Jesse. Speaking of more of a Jesse, Strike Commandos. Reb Brown. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's the big guy, right? He's like yeah, just he's causing a. He's, he rules. <laughs> Reb Brown is good. <laughs> I get, he gets the yes, he does. approval. Yes, he does rule. <laughs> yes, so, he um, Speaking of Patrick, what gets your number three spot? Oh, approval. man. So these are like some last minute films that I watched pretty recently, mm. but I they like... I got one from two days ago on my list. OK, by the way. good, good. Yeah, so... I have these are these are like similar, uh, similar days ago, too. So um, I was watching my I was watching some like Spencer Tracy movies with my folks like uh, I watched Pat and Mike for the first time. And that was a really good movie. Um, but after watching Pat and Mike, and that's the one where like uh, Catherine Hepburn plays uh, a like she's like a, a a great female athlete. She's like a I think she's like a, she's a golf player. She's a tennis player. She can do all these things. And then of course Spencer Tracy's like the rough around the edges like you know sports promoter that like you know brings her aboard and they end up falling in love. You know typical typical Spencer Tracy stuff. It's great. But uh, watching she this, she can do it all. But can she, but she needs a husband. Yeah, she she needs a big old uh, guy who looks prematurely fifty years old. He was thirty three. <laughs> yeah, he was born with a failing liver. But uh, yeah, uh, God, it's and that's gonna factor into the movie uh, I'm about to discuss. But uh, I was like going through like Spencer Tracy movies I haven't seen, and um, one thing I'm a big fan of is like anything involving like climbing a mountain. Like I'm a huge mm. touching the void, uh, Everest. I watch Everest like way too much for some re- like for some I, reason I, Everest. I Iger sanctioned my man. Ooh, the I, the the Eastwood movie where he's climbing the mountain. Oh, is that the one with the the guy who's always changing his blood? Oh, that is the one. George Kennedy is like his best friend in it. It's mm. um, it's like an attempt at like a James Bond kind of thing for Clint. Yeah, it, it, it goes pretty. It goes pretty hard. It's pretty good. Uh, oh man, I think I may have watched. I think I may have watched that with my family. I think, but uh, um, I think. And then uh, Maru, love me some Maru. But uh, I saw this movie, The Mountain, that starred Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy, creating the crowning role of his memorable career as the Mountain Man. Robert Wagner taking top place among the screen's most exciting young stars as his brother. Claire Trevor as the widow. William Demarest as the village priest. Barbara Darrow as the playgirl from the glittering outside world, whose lure was behind the fantastic adventure that set brother against brother. 
Isn't there anything inside you that tells you it isn't right? You want me to take you up to the top of the mountain within the sight of God so that you can pick the pockets of dead people? Does money mean that much to you? I'd do worse than that to get out of here. To film their dramatic story, the most amazing expedition ever sent out from Hollywood, laboriously carried VistaVision cameras and heavy equipment higher and higher up these rugged alpine peaks to bring back the most incredible scenes ever put on film. Scenes of raw courage and heart-stopping suspense on the knife edge of disaster. Scenes where every shot, every thrill is surpassed by the one that follows on this foolhardy climb to loot an airliner wrecked on the icy summit. Zachary, in the plane back there, there's something in there, something moved. Spencer Tracy and uh, who's the guy who plays number two in James, in uh, Austin Powers? Uh, Robert Ragnar. Uh, for his famous for some other things, uh, but uh, oh, so yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah, something else. That's probably not good. But uh, uh, I was like, okay, it's like about uh, Spencer Tracy climb, climbing a mountain. Uh, I'm in. He's he's in the French Alps. Sure, he has to like. Uh, there's like a plane that crashes on the top of the French Alps and, you know, Spencer Tracy has to climb up Mount Blanc. Okay, I'm, I'm in. And so, uh, this movie is called The Mountain, uh, made in 1956, 105 minutes, directed oh. by Ed, Edward Dimitrik. Uh, and, uh, basically the premise is that a, a, yeah, plane flying from India crashes on top of this mountain. People are trying to go up it. They can't really go up it. Spencer Tracy, it's, it has like cry macho vibes, which is insane. That insane thing to say Ooh. about a Spencer, but it's like it does because even though Spencer Tracy is fifty six, he looks seventy six. He is insanely yeah, old. This looking. is like toward the end of his life. Why? I was yeah. like, what's he yes. climbing a mountain for in nineteen fifty six? It's wild. It is not. He does not look like a man who can climb a mountain. He has the pot belly. <laughs> He's looking old, <laughs> and he plays. He plays Wagner's brother this movie they're 30 years apart he's like 25 and then they give they give some insane reason for why um spencer trey it's like you know mom had me when she was 14 and then she had you right before she died and all like they really try to do the, the so gymnastic. for the sake of the listeners i just looked it up um spencer tracy is 30 years older than Robert Wagner. <laughs> so yes! they are brothers. There was, yeah. there was a bit of, bit, of a, bit of a, like, the old dad was uh, getting down a little bit later in life. <laughs> it's, it's 56. Yeah, it's like 56 going on 76. Like yeah. Their father is played by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, but the, the thing that's really appealing about this movie is that, like, Spencer Tracy's character, right? He has been... And by the way, uh, the cinematographer is an individual named Franz Planer, and it's, like, filmed in, I think it's called Vista Vision, 
and mm-hmm. holy, it is gorgeous. Also, the yeah, Swiss. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's, it's so like, good. dude, the the colors just fucking pop. The reds are red. The greens are green. Like you want to like hang. It's like it looks like fucking Oompa Loompa Land. It looks like fucking. It's too colorful. It's crazy. Back uh, when but, cinematographers uh, actually understood the use of color. <laughs> yes. Oh, and it just it's everything pops. And then like, um. Also, the other thing I want to say too is that uh, his like. He has like this, um, he's like a sheep farmer. That's the other thing about Spencer Tracy in this. He farms sheep. It's really just imagining him as a, sh- a humble sheep farmer is weird. Uh, but uh, he lives in this cr- amazing uh, cabin that makes the Banshees of Insurin cabin look like fucking hog shit. And you know that the <laughs> damn, damn sheep are always going in there. It fucking rules. Everything looks it looks like some it looks like a place where like a cobbler, like a dwarf cobbler in like a Grimm's fairy tale lives. I love it. Uh but the thing is is like Wagner, he plays the younger brother, right? And he is maybe the worst person I've ever seen in a movie. He's in truly evil. It is so crazy how evil and depraved his character is. He he's kind of like imagine if like the James Dean, like, oh, I hate the 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 squares like that archetype like went sour and just became totally unrepentant that is a hundred percent what this guy is and this poor dude spencer tracy he used to go up the mountain frequently and his job was to like you know give people tours and stuff like that but like he's gone up this mountain like a couple times and the last few times like he lost like he hurt himself he like broke his bones and then like a person he was giving a a uh, tour to in the mountain fucking fell and died and so, like, the mountain's ruined for him. And he'll, like, stare longingly at this mountain, which is, like, this insane juxtaposition of, like, beauty. It's, like, the most beautiful thing in the movie, him just longingly looking at this mountain. But it's, like, the thing that haunts him. And, like, so he's, like, he's haunted by beauty. It's incredible. And then his shit fucking asshole younger brother is, like, hey, this, like, playing with all these dead people... Uh, I want to go up there. I want to go up to this plane and like rob their corpses. I want to rob them. Oh no! So Spencer Tracy's like, no, (laughs) you don't want to do because initially, because here's the thing too. Initially, in the beginning of the movie, uh, they live in this house together, right? In this small town. I think it's like it's like a podunk town. Wagner doesn't want to live in this podunk town, so he wants to. He's too big. He's too big for this. Yeah, he's a tough kid. He wants to get on his motorcycle and do doo wop somewhere like an asshole. But uh, like, uh, <laughs> like, but like, uh, uh, his like, he goes up to his older brother Spencer Tracy, and Spencer Tracy the entire time he's like, "What did I do? Like, how did I make a brother so shitty? Like, I am." He just he blames his evil on himself, and the brother's like, "I want to sell our cabin that was like built in like the 1600s." So I can, like, use that money to move. And Spencer's like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's wrong. You're wrong. And then he comes back and is like, I don't want to sell the cabin anymore. I want to go up and rob corpses. Spencer is like, this sucks. You're the worst. But then he, like, he's like, I'm going to go up anyways, no matter what. And so the movie goes at this point from, like, a weird, like, melodrama where it's, like, this old man dealing with, like, the sins of his past and, like, how he's just a fuck up and a failure, basically, to like a a mountain climbing procedural. It's really fun, all the mountain climbing stuff. It's really like for a film from Sounds like great. the 50- yeah for the film from the fifties. It's really well shot, and 
What I love about it is the younger brother never gets a redeeming moment. He stays a fucking asshole through the entire movie, and he sucks, and it kind of rules that they were just, like, so committed to someone being so, like, at one point, um, uh, God, you know, I don't know how much I should spoil. I'll, I'll leave it. I, I, like, I want to see it. Yeah, yeah it's I'll enough. It. So, yeah, but, like, yeah, watch The Mountain, because it's, like, is it a perfect movie? No, but it's such a like cool. You sold, like, a, you sold us, Patrick. Yeah, it's like it's a sad Spencer Tracy having to escort the world's worst man up a mountain. Watch it. <laughs> I love. I love it. It's I watched. So good. Um, a, I watched a Robert Wagner movie this year that nearly made my list, which was the original Kiss Before Dying, mm. uh, a film noir from. Um, Color Noir. Criterion Channel did this great color, like noir and color series that I watched all of. Um, this one was from 1956, and he plays another just industrious asshole who is going to work his way up, kill girlfriends to get like inheritance or like <laughs> all sorts of shit. Yeah. And Maybe he was good at playing this role for a reason. It's like, yeah, it's like Who's when we watch. Say? Yeah, it's like when we watch Robert Blake in the Chris Cooper Fire Guy movie, and it's like, nah, Chris Cooper's scary in this, but the real scary guy is Robert Blake because he may actually be the devil. Like he may be an actual demon in human form. <laughs> Every it's like it's busting is playing at the new Beverly this month, and I love I love busting. Who, don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's like for all of the glory that Elliot Gould brings to the movie, there is this like bad vibes of Robert Blake all over that movie too. He, he's Carson, <laughs> he's spiritually carcinogenic. He is just Real his bad vibes. Yeah, he's his character from The Lost Highway. That's just him. He's yeah. that guy. He will find you and he'll tell you he's like in your house while you're talking to him at a bar and you'll be left permanently ruined. <laughs> Yeah, he's oh. he's done that. that. That's a documentary, and he's done that to like seven guys. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, Bill Pullman was like, was like the eighth dude. He did it too. Yeah, but he hasn't the, been the same. The mountain, um, the mountain sounds great. Oh These yeah, good watch picks. it. Patrick, Thank you. Hot picks, man. These are like. Tell Ben Mankiewicz to watch out for his job because TC, you're coming for TCM. <laughs> uh, I yeah, don't know. The next one, the next, the next one might uh, take away my TCM. We'll see. But, uh, I'm, excited, I'm excited to talk about it though. The door than <laughs> uh, what do you got? What do you got at three, Jesse? Well, so keep this in mind. I don't really have like an order of like, oh, I prefer this or that. Yeah. This is just kind of like uh, the smorgasbord of great cinema I've seen throughout the year. And so this one, after the passing of Henry Silva, I took a deep dive back into his catalog and I came up with a movie I had never seen before. I don't know if it's on Don's list, it could make it, but um, 1972's The Italian Connection. This man has six million dollars worth of heroin. It belongs to the mob and all it will cost him is his life. American International Pictures presents The Italian Connection. Ah! Ah! 
the Italian Connection, the story of an international manhunt with a cast of international stars, Luciana Paluzzi, Cyril Cusack, and Henry Silva and Woody Strode as the hunters. I want you to kill him in the most brutal way possible because I want it to be conspicuous, sensational. In other words, make it obvious that the job was commissioned by the New York bosses. They've come 5,000 miles to stalk their prey. Now, they're moving in for the kill. When the Godfather signs your death warrant, there's no place in the world you can hide. Frank, shoot him! The Italian connection. Make it, you'll make a fortune. Miss it, you'll get a little round hole right between your eyes which is just insane. He is this stone cold killer, but the, these two hitmen are sent from a, another mafia family to kill um, a pimp. Kind of film, help me fill it in here, but. Um, well, he, the pimp guy who starts off as a heel but actually, like, worms your way into your into our hearts, and we kind of like him oh, by the end of it. Oh, he, he is. He, I'm, I'm, I'm going for him. probably the best foot chase I've ever seen. I've yeah, seen a lot the, of yeah, that's it's, the reason to watch incredible. this movie. But but I think he steals it. It's just like he's know, really like, good. He's like I desperation. Silva's movie, but it, it was oh Woody Strode. Woody Strode yeah. makes a grand He's the other hitman who is magnificent in this. Um, and who's the, who's the baddie, the, uh, I forget the name of the actor, but he was, uh, he's the main Bond villain in uh, Thunderball, uh, who's the, who's the main, uh, bad guy in this. I forget his name, he's a French actor. Um, but yeah, highly, highly recommend the Italian connection. Amazing soundtrack, um, amazing car chase, chills, spills, and thrills. It did not make my list, but I can also guarantee it goes hard. It's a real deal movie. It's 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 for real, man. Like if you want to, it's it's one of the highest order of the police dossier, like Italian crime movies of the seventies. It's one of the very best ones. I would say like, it's definitely probably one of my favorites because it's the only one where it's like because a lot of these like the pacing, like you get like one giant set piece of like some crazy car action or some crazy like beat down or shootout or whatever and then like it lulls for a long time but this is just like it just keeps on beating 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 the whole and it's, just, it's, it's yeah it's cool all the way through like the one that they're doing with the new bev this month uh with jack Palance that i know as rulers of the city that was like like the flip side of this it was like ah, i wish it was like better <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I feel like watching a lot of these Italian crime or even Jalos like this year is just like, oh man, if it just like give me like ten percent more and like yeah, I would have loved this, you know. But it's just, like, <laughs> I cannot recommend the, this movie because it's not all killer, no filler. It's like but cinematic the ones that, fentanyl. But, the, but the ones that do make it, man, are like the coolest. <laughs> yeah, no, I would the the, the soundtrack in this alone is like worth it. I don't even think it's available commercially. It's just like, yeah, the, like it just hooks you. And it's just like, okay, some shit's I about to that, go down. I believe that that movie's actually coming to Criterion Channel in January. So folks can uh, check that one out because that one, yeah, I watched on Arrow. 
Yeah, same here. I think I might still be streaming my arrow. Is it already live? I don't know. I think that most of them are the Delios are moving to um, Criterion Channel next month. Wow. Just to give a small plug here, I know the DVD is still available at our good friends at Videotech. So. Yeah. It's it's a hell of a movie. It's it really is. You're right, Jesse. It almost it almost made my. Putting all this lowbrow stuff on here, and you guys are going. Well, like, I was like, I was t- pieces <laughs> of cinema. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I, I took a year off from that. Dude, <laughs> I was texting you when I was watching this movie, though, and I was like, this movie goes so. This movie bangs, man. Like it's. Like... It, it, oh no, no, I'm not saying that. But you, you, you I feel Don's taste is a better balance. Like Mike's, like, dude, I'm going all in. Like this is just like all the crazy shit, like all year long. It's just like the art can wait till next. That's good though. You need to like, yeah, like at the end of the day too. If I'm like coming home, long day of work, am I gonna want to watch fucking Cundin or am I gonna want to watch The Italian Connection? There's a clear, there's a clear pick. There's a clear answer. No, no shade to Cundin. Cundin whips ass. Cundin, Cundin's great. Yeah. <laughs> But it feels like one of those movies where, like, oh, I'm just not in the right mood. Or you put it back in the burner, you keep putting it in, and then, like, oh, you finally get to it, like, four months later, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. just, like, guaranteed banger. No, I was watching, um, I watched Vigilante Force the other night, and it's, like, they're in this, like, oil town, and, like, there's just, like, bar fights and people being thrown through windows, like, the first, like, two minutes. I'm like, I made the right choice. This is going to be satisfying yeah, all the way through. <laughs> Redneck rampage. Yeah, I was like, I know what I'm getting, and I'm okay with this. This is exactly what I wanted to watch. Well, I was going to almost say when you were talking about John Michael Vincent before, it's like a good double for that would have been White Line Fever. Yeah, White Line Fever. A classic. He puts his life savings into a big rig, and it's just like, all right, I'm I'm going. And you've got, uh, who's who's like the, uh, yeah, have you seen that one, Don, or not? No, I just got the blue actually on that. Okay, that, but that I love awesome. um, Slim Pickens is incredible. I was like, dude, I'll watch anything with Slim Pickens. Like, you got me for Slim Pickens. Jonathan Kaplan is such a good director. Who did that one? Over the Edge, mm. obviously. But um, the one of his this year that really knocked me on my ass was um, Truck Turner with Isaac Hayes. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. That was so good. Such a good movie. Yeah, and there is, a gangs- there is a gangster Blast, villain. Yeah. There is a gangster villain in that movie whose character's name is Joe Dante. It's really, really good. It, and it's got a great um, soundtrack. Sound, well, the soundtrack, but Yafet Koto is in that one. He's the bad guy. The other one I liked with Yafet Koto this year was Friday Foster. I really enjoyed that one as well. Oh, yeah. Kind of within the same same universe. Um, yeah, Italian Connection Rules. My number three. So it was a big year. <laughs> we kind of alluded to it. I returned to our friends in France this year Ooh. in a big way. I watched, a lot. <laughs> I watched a lot of French movies. And so, Jesse, we've been watching movies a long time, as I mentioned before. You know, I went through a run in the early 2000s where I really went through, like, the big French New Wave stuff. But there was one filmmaker who eluded me in the French New Wave, like, run, like, of the key figures. Like, I watched all the guitars. I watched all the Truffauts. I watched all the Rivets. I watched all the, 
you know, Romare, that kind of thing. But Claude Chabrol always kind of like, um, he seemed like the normie of the group. So I kind of like put it off. <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy just wants to be Hitchcock. I'm not like, give me the weird, like, give me like last year at Marion Band. That's what I want to see. <laughs> like, I didn't want to see just like a mystery. But then, um, so earlier this year, there's a corresponding events we brought up earlier that they covered on Tarantino's podcast, Innocence with Dirty Hands. They made it sound really, really good. And I'd actually never seen a Chabrol movie before in any capacity. Ooh. And so I got Innocence with Dirty Hands. I really liked it. Then Arrow put out these like box sets of Chabrol movies in nice blu-ray editions and they were like 50 percent off on amazon so i bought those then i started filling holes with other ones and then i started watching all of them but my pick is one i did not buy that i rented a video tech (laughs) uh yeah this is like and i will say though um le beau serge les cousins uh, would be my next step on this, his first two movies. Really, really fascinating duo that are both on Criterion Channel. But my pick is Les Bon Femmes. Est-ce que les hommes nous espèrent autant que nous? The good women or the good girls. And it's essentially this story about these women, these young women in Paris and the awful men who are trying to pick them up. <laughs> and it, it feels like if you showed this today to like a group of young people, mm-hmm. I think their minds would be kind of blown by it because it's like so prescient and so kind of like, oh my God, like haunting and dark and grim about like, the female experience on like the dating scene essentially mm-hmm. and it ends it takes a turn i will not reveal it but i will allude to it that it takes a very like scary kind of true crimey kind of turn in only it's like last five minutes so chabral introduces this group i think of like three or four girls who are all kind of in different situations but his really magical thing he does that's really haunting after it gets to like the really dark conclusion, he cuts to this nightclub and the final like three to five minutes of the movie are with a brand new female character going through the exact same thing to show that it wasn't just individualized to this, these three women 
that it is just something that happens. And people and men are terrible. Oh my god. It's not not pleasant. Not pleasant at all. No. But it's excellent. It's an excellent like it's and and I was like, no man, this guy isn't like some wannabe Hitchcock. This is working like I'm like, whoa, this is way different. Admittedly, like Innocence with Dirty Hands does play in the Hitchcock pond quite a bit more some of these other ones do but like he is like some of his compatriots he's interested in social politics he's interested in social mores and there's a lot more richness to these movies and i gave him i sold the dude short completely i know he's been dead for like 10 years so i'm sorry claude (laughs) but um, (laughs) he's smiling in heaven He's smiling in heaven that he gained some dork-ass American fan. But yeah. <laughs> I've got a whole bunch left. I've watched, though, um, six ship rolls this year. And I've got more to come in 2023. I'm really looking forward to watching more of them. He made, like, a comparison, also compared to his contemporaries dude made like 50 movies he's like work non-stop oh and so there's a lot to do it's <laughs> like yeah that's like the the output comparable to like a you know a, a workman like director in like the 30s or 40s just doing well, stuff for like the, poverty that, that was also that was also kind of the difference and i think like you know when i was younger there was kind of like this like you think of like kubrick is kind of like the key figure of like the like I work every six years, and when I present my masterpiece, you'll be blown away. But like the directors who do do like one or two a year, and we'll talk a little bit about them later this month when we do our top out movies of 2022 list. Because yeah. I mean, we'll just name them right now. I mean, like Ty West dropped two bangers this year. Claire Denis yeah. dropped two bangers this year, and our boy <laughs> Hong Sang Soo. Hong Sang Soo! Hong depending on release date. You could already make an argument he dropped four great movies this year. <laughs> A total fucking freak. I love it. And our our, our lord and savior, Hong Sang Soo, t- taking it even further. But there is something to be said about workmanlike consistency of quality over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to decipher because it's like, Oh, when Paul Thomas Anderson decides to release his like masterpiece every four years, it's like, oh, it's such a big deal. But it's like there is like a there is something very neat in the person who puts something out once a year and kicks ass or does something entertaining yeah. once a year. That's cinema as a yeah, as craft as like it's like when you see someone like I watched this video on YouTube like a day ago of like a guy making like a fancy chess set from scratch and like the level of intricateness. Like even though like you know it's his job and he does it every day, there's just this level of detail that's like mesmerizing. And a good director can do that. He emulates that mm-hmm. with his films. <laughs> and I want to give a shout out to um, so Innocence with Dirty Hands. I also um, I don't know if you felt this way, Jesse. I fell in love. With uh, the lead actress, Romy Schneider, who I'd seen in a few things. The the um, thing the, the thing about love movie what was the one the Zulowski one she was in. I liked that one, but I start 
watching a couple of her other ones, and I got to give a shout out to The Things of Life and Max and the Junkmen as being also excellent French. Things of Life, outside of Sophie's Ways, may have been the most French movie that I saw this year. (laughs) You know, it's about a guy getting in a car accident and then thinking about his mistress, who is actually in love with as he's as he's being annihilated in his car. (laughs) And it's like very very like it's um Michel Piccoli, so he's like chain smoking the entire movie. Romy Schneider is his mistress. His wife's kind of cool with it, but kind of not in a very French way. <laughs> and it, it's great. It was really, it's super stylish. And the car accident sequence is really, really well done. So things of life. But Chabrol's good. I'm, I uh, sold him short earlier in life, and I'm happy to be in the mix with him now and have like 50 movies the rest of my life to get through. Oh, yeah. So, Patrick, number four. Okay, number four. So this is like, yeah, I know I've been doing all these fancy movies, and you've like, you know, recently had a movie that like touched you to your core. It feels like done. And the <laughs> next movie I have on my list, uh, a little less core touchy, but still really cool. Uh, I'll say this too: only forty-four reviews on Letterbox. This is a weird deep cut. This is an odd. So, uh, a little context: I was wrapping presents uh, in my in my bedroom last night, or uh, you know, Christmas Eve. Dark, dark, dark in the darkness. I wanted something to watch while I was wrapping. Uh, I was trying to watch one of the other movies that was going to be on my list, um, and I'll say it was the movie Revenge because I was like, oh, I kind of want to put Revenge on my list because I really enjoyed it. But I don't remember it super well, so I feel like I have to rewatch it if I'm going to put it on my list. But then I couldn't, Amazon couldn't load. As if God was like, no, 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 you got to put this weird movie on your list, sir. And so, uh, uh, <laughs> I like, I like Shelly Winters. I'm a, I, I recently watched the big, I, I think like last year I watched The Big Knife, loved it. It's like one of my favorite Jack Plants films. Uh, and she's like my favorite part of that. She's great in Night of the Hunter. Fucking love her and Alfie. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to find a, a Shelly Winters joint that I haven't seen. Hopefully one I can just find on YouTube, something free. And uh, this uh, film tickled me. It's, it's a deep cut. It's called, and it's a TV movie directed by a guy named Judd Taylor, who now I want to see all of his movies. Judd Taylor, because he like, <laughs> primarily only directs TV movies. By the way, all Hell available yeah. on, they're all That's available good. on YouTube. <laughs> it fucking rules. Um, you can find, yeah, you can find all this stuff on YouTube. One of the movies is called, he directed is called Tail Gunner Joe, and it stars Peter Boyle. Burgess Meredith and Patricia O'Neill with a supporting turn from Ned Beatty. So that has to be a fucking... And it dramatizes the life of U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy. Why didn't I watch that one? I fucked up. Should have watched this one. But this other one's great, too. <laughs> like, this this movie's called Revenge. What could be more harmless than a person who makes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Uh, Revenge was... With an exclamation point, I'm seeing. Yeah. It's like, Revenge! <laughs> Uh, it's it's a it runs in a, it's a seventy five minute movie it's a it's a banger it's it's a one and done released in nineteen seventy one and basically it's this movie about this guy Frank Claner he's just a nondescript businessman he chill he's chilling with his friends uh, before that though you get like a, it's almost as if it's like an homage, I don't know if it's like an homage to Touch of Evil I don't know what's going on but you see 
Shelly Winters uh, from like the, the like waist down, like walking with like a suitcase. And you're like, what's she doing with the suitcase? What's this weird woman doing with a suitcase? What's happening? She puts her suitcase next to this guy's suitcase. The guy, uh, Frank Kleiner, played by uh, Bradford Dillman. That's it. And so uh, he picks up that suitcase instead of his own suitcase. He talks to his weird business friends. They're fine. He uh, later gets like a um, he like finds out that his suitcase has been like tampered with. He opens the suitcase. He has the wrong suitcase. It's like Shelly, the suitcase Shelly Winters gave him, which is like filled with like rocks and like weird stuff. It's very bizarre. It's like, what is happening? Uh, later on, he somehow comes into contact with Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters is like, hey, we um, messed up our suitcases. I accidentally took your suitcase. You took mine. Come to my house. I'll give you your suitcase. This guy should say no immediately because the suitcase <laughs> she had was filled with rocks and like stuff. <laughs> so it's very weird that he just agrees. But, you know, it's like whatever. He needs a suitcase. Uh, he has like this great line he says in the beginning of the movie because uh, like at one point all his he's like with a bunch of businessmen, fellow businessman friends. These are like the type of guys that fill out that Thursday's game poker table he's hanging out with. And these, it's just a reference that maybe Don and two other people on planet Earth get. Um, Another movie only, like, five people have reviewed on Letterboxd. Yeah, just a total disappeared, uh, lost film. But uh, his friends are like, you know, people will change suitcases uh, to try to trick you. Like, they're trying to, like, they're kind of, like, laying out the plot of the movie to him. And then he says, uh, what could be more harmless than a man who makes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Same thing to say. Uh, he goes to Shelly Winters' house. Shelly Winters is like, "Don't worry, I'll get your suitcase. Have a drink of coffee, though." The guy's like, "No, I don't want to drink anything." Oh, no. Shelly Winters is like, "You gotta drink something." He's like, "I'm oh, not no. gonna drink anything." <laughs> and then he goes into the kitchen with Shelly Winters. By the way, what's great about this house is that it's a great-looking house, but then it has like. You can tell it's not a house. They're like on a film set or something because the doors to the kitchen are the type of doors you see in like warehouse buildings or cafeterias. The ones that like open in and out like this and have like the metal plates where like the handle should be that you just push. Like the type that you cart shit through. It's so crazy. It's like, why is this? It's so perfect. The house is so perfect. And then it has like fucking like the type of how the doors you would see at the, uh, the back room of a Hilton for like throwing out trash. Uh, he goes, Bradford Dildman goes in. Um, you think he's going to drink the coffee, but he's like, no, no, no. And then like Shelly Winters, like just takes a, I can't remember if it's like a shovel or just a long object. He just hits him over the head with something. And this motherfucker wakes up in a cage under in the basement. <laughs> just, she just wakes, she wakes up in a cage and he's just like, What's happening? Where am I? And he never like he never like talks that much. He's always either kind of like really resigned to his fate or just like get me out of here. I have a wife. <laughs> and, and you turn you find out that um Shelley Winters thinks that this guy uh is this uh went on a who went on a uh, business trip in Atlantic City like had an affair with this uh with her daughter who eventually um you know, uh, trigger warning, uh, committed suicide. And so like, she thinks this guy is like this person and 
Well, that's happening. The wife is just, it's so funny. You watch this movie and you're like, I don't think 70s people know how to find lost people. I don't think they've ever, <laughs> they just are so nonchalant and like, uh, like, have you tried looking for him? And she's like, no, nah, I haven't yet. And it's like, well, give it time. He'll eventually come back. It's just like a lot of things like we're like, it takes way too long. Yeah, um, for that's a very boomer mentality. It's basically telling them to walk it off. And the wife starts taking pills and like is oh, not wow. doing well. There's like uh, All of this happens in seventy-five minutes? Yes. Oh dude, I haven't even gotten to the psychic played by Stuart Whitman. Um, Bravo. It's so good. And so I'm not gonna spoil anymore. The last Thank you. like the last five minutes are like fucking crazy uh there's like a big there's a big moment oh man i just want to i can't i I guess you guys want to see this movie so i don't want to spoil it for you but it's like it's so it's the last five minutes are so bizarre and the way they treat the reveal is so nonchalant is this a good movie i would say no it's not like the best movie ever but it's like really fun and like it was psychedelic watching this while like rapping like you know birthday gifts at like two in the morning I, on christmas i am sold on watching this on the so posters, listen so listen like do you see the some of the the crew on this movie jesse yeah this is so, joe joseph stefano wrote it who wrote psycho john alonzo shot it who shot chinatown <laughs> and scarface bradford dillman is the lead of piranha so there you go. This, this <laughs> is yeah. This is well, fucking back when like TV movies would be like you'd get real hitters. people for them. You'd actually yeah. get like talent. It fucking yeah. whips. The, it, bring it back, folks. Okay, oh, well, I just pulled up the poster for this. It must have been like an insert in like a newspaper or something. The tagline is: "A man must die to even the score for the death of her daughter." Revenge. Sorry, Shelly Winters. <laughs> but, like, the photo of Shelly Winters, like, man, she just looks unhinged, like, Kathy Bates, psycho, unhinged in this photo. And it's just like, her eyes are almost crossed. And it's just like, holy moly, I gotta see she's, this. She's yeah, a this sounds great. In it. Yeah, give it a watch. Watch Revenge. I, uh, thank you, Patrick. Good call. And I think Jen would like this one, too. So we'll take a look at this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I, I said, it's. YouTube, yeah. And I warn you, it's like at like four twenty, like it is like very grainy, very low. Like it, half the time, it looks like it was filmed on like an iPhone. So, like it's it's not the easiest to watch, but it's rewarding, and I think you guys would enjoy it. Nice, Jesse. What do you got in the four spot? Four spot, nineteen seventies, and God said to Cain. Sie richtig. Ich habe das Zucht aus dem Blut. Zehn Jahre im Steinbruch, da meißelt sich jeder Schlag mit der Spitzhacke ins Hirn. Jeder Tropfen Schweiß brennt für ewig auf der Haut. Brennt und brennt und das Gefühl der Rache wird größer und größer. Zehn Jahre lang, zehn unendliche Jahre und die Rache wartet darauf, freigelassen zu werden. Und jetzt ist sie frei und hat zum ersten Mal zugeschlagen. Jim ist tot und seine Brüder werden wie er sterben. Ob es das Gesetz erlaubt oder nicht, ich werde meine Rechnung nach zehn Jahren präsentieren. Und diese Rechnung kassieren. Ich habe im Steinbruch genau Buch geführt. Was jetzt kommt, ist nur noch die Bilanz. Starring the infamous Klaus Kinski. Yeah. Uh, this is a Western that 
like you know I've, I've seen a few westerns i'm not like an official i definitely and i know don's definitely seen a ton of westerns i probably patrick you've watched more westerns than i have but like this movie for some reason just really took me in and so it's klaus kinski wrongfully accused he's been sent to prison and then he gets out and then he sets his path of revenge on everyone who did him wrong and the premise like if you just like okay you know, you know like short and sweet like okay but um i just feel like the way this movie unfolds is just you know it's, it doesn't drag you're always kind of like the the peeling away the onion skin more more and more and the shouts and everything is just done so well and the camera the acting is just superb i highly recommend this um checking it out don of you or patrick you guys seen i own it and i have not watched it yet i have not oh, seen the movie but i'm in the list man I I, know. i'm trying I to know. like okay because I've seen like, kind of like the big ones, right? But I was like, oh, okay, more like B titles. But I was just like, man, why is no one talking about this? I know maybe it was mentioned on PCP maybe a couple yeah, of years ago. Elric Kane said he likes this one. Uh, I would highly recommend it. And like, you know, with Klaus Kinski, it's just like, like, well, what kind of Klaus Kinski performance am I going to get out of this? Am I going to get an unhinged Klaus Kinski? Am I going to... Same kind of no, but he, he, he does it right in here. So I highly recommend it. And Antonio Margarita, you can't go wrong. So highly recommend it. Yeah. 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 I got to watch that one. I feel bad. I feel shamed. This is like what we were talking about earlier with feeling like competitive and shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are you doing? You own this movie. Well, I I'm feel ashamed, bad boy. because you guys are like watching like highbrow stuff. And I'm just like, Watching the gutter pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesse's are probably like ten times more entertaining. <laughs> no, that's yeah. You're like yeah, the cool. Just, you're like you're you're Fonzie, but instead of like hitting the record player and you know playing a fucking doo wop song, you're like hitting the record player and a fucking you know giallo goblin comes out and murders you. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> you know, that, that might be bad uh, a little bit further on in this list. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> Giallo Goblin. Giallo Goblin. Jesus Goblin. <laughs> that one sounds great. Um, my number four is um, from 1933. And it's the film from Ernst Lubitsch, Design ah. for a Living. I'm a playwright. I write unproduced plays. What is your annual income in round figures? In round figures, zero. Is George still given to smashing things? Well, we have to tell him the truth regardless of what happens to the furniture. Do you love him? Oh, Max. People should never ask that question on their wedding night. It's either too late or too early. Undesirable attentions to Miss Gilda Ferris. Immorality may be fun. But it isn't fun enough to take the place of 100% virtue and three square meals a day. Les petits cochons sont merveilleux. Monsieur Cortis a déménagé. Mrs. Plunkett is engaged in playing 20 questions. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Animal. Busy? Tremendous. It's the movie. Yeah. Design for Living is a absolutely wonderful, joyous, absolutely, you cannot 
believe that it exists in 1933 film. Mm-hmm. The essential plot line is a, it is a film about a woman who cannot decide between two men who love her. So the trio agrees to try living together in a friendly relationship. Oh no. And her wonderful, like, you know what? I want both of them. Attitude is terrific. Comedy ensues. It's a light, joyous time. The three leads are Miriam Hopkins plays the woman and Drick March and Gary Cooper play the two men. Uh, Gary Cooper, uh, this, I don't know if this is sacrilege or not. I have always found to be a bit of a... I guess he's dead. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, he's probably in hell. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't... Like, some of the older actors, like, you know, you watch Cagney, you watch Bogart. Oh, yeah. Cagney's frenetic. Those guys, he's alive. You're like, yeah. Oh, I get it. I get what these guys are, like, selling me. I mm-hmm. don't get the appeal in this so much. This movie, you've never seen him as light on his feet. <laughs> this in this movie he is a joyous time he's got great <laughs> chemistry um the lead actress miriam hopkins is like myrna Loy, where it's like oh wow you're wonderful i want to know you <laughs> but it's just like it's so and then it ends in the most um in the way it needs to end this movie but it's so shocking for 1933 that they're like and I might just spoil it because it doesn't matter because it's a romantic comedy. Is um, they all just kind of accept being together, <laughs> and like yeah. after all the drama, they're like, actually, you know what works best? The three of us. And yeah. what a what like what a like like you put that out today in 2022, it seems transgressive. It, in 1933, how groovy! <laughs> it fucking works. I, I loved I think- it. Is it? Joyous time. God, yeah. No, I just started my Ernst Lubitsch journey this year. Uh, I watched Shop Around the Corner for the first time. That was a really good movie, classic banger. Uh, and then I, because of uh, uh, your one of your screening parties where you we sh- you showed the the Lodger starring Laird Krieger, I had to keep I had to go on the Krieger train one more time, and mm-hmm. uh, I watched Heaven. I think Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're um. Leard Krieger plays like easily the coolest and suavest devil in a <laughs> free like sixties movie, and I'm including like Ray Walston and Damn Yankees and fucking uh, uh, Walter Pigeon or is it Houston? Walter Houston and uh, the Devil and uh, Daniel Webster. Daniel like Webster. He, yeah, like it's such a yeah he he rules in it. And Ernest Lubitsch, he's a, he's just like yeah. There's something that but he can just write. Like characters that are even well, like seemingly despicable so well. Well, he wrote. Um, there's a real joy, and they'll be talking about someone else in this vein later on in my list. Um, or he directs them rather, not right. And there Sorry. are it, a sophisticated comedy is a difficult thing and a rare beast. And Ernst Lubitsch kind of invented it. Yeah. In cinema. And I'm getting a yawn from Jen about that comment, so it's clearly we're going down the TCM route hard. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, no, I'm about to. I'm about to do a yawner in a second. No worries. But it 
It's great. It's on the Criterion Collection. I rented it at Videotech. Hell yeah. And um, it's it's a delightful movie. I really, really, really like this one. I saw it early in the year, and it has not moved far from my heart uh, in terms of a great watch for the year. And I got to get a copy. Got to get my own copy because I'm a degenerate who needs copies. <laughs> yeah, you you crave copies. I'm surprised there isn't like an Ernst Lubitsch. Like, although he's directed so many, we're talking about people that were prolific. He has like because he went back to like the silent era too, right? He directed so many and died young. That was different. Things were different back then. Yeah, it was um, a factory. But Patrick, uh, what do you have in this in the five spot? What's this uh, boring one you got in the five spot? Uh, yeah, this is the one, and this is the movie where uh, I, had, I hadn't seen it in a while, and so I sort of forced my family to rewatch it with me. And they liked, they claimed they liked it, but I still feel bad that I made <laughs> them watch it because it is like not a. This is not an Italian connection. This is a Hong Chu type of film. It's like. It's one of those movies where, like, the big, uh, to give you a hint about what this movie is, the big, like, uh, Marvel, uh, you know, the Hulk coming out of the shadows to meet Ant-Man for the first time, the big moment like that in this movie is when fucking Descartes appears. And so uh, <laughs> this movie is, a, and it's a TV movie. Uh, I watched this uh, on, it was on Criterion Collection. You can also watch it on YouTube uh, if you want to, uh, with English subtitles. Very cool. Um uh, I was looking for something. I was kind of in this mood where I was like, uh, I've, I've been watching a lot of, like, you know, uh, just, like, dumb stuff lately. Like, I've been, I was, I, no, I was just, like, playing Skyrim. I had played, like, a hundred hours of Skyrim, and I felt bad. I was like, I'm wasting <laughs> my life playing this video game. I have to, like, eat vegetables. I have to do something to counterbalance, like, you know, a hundred hours of a video game that I played, uh, like, 300 hours of in the past already. And so I went on um, Criterion, and I just kind of picked something at random. And uh, this director, Roberto Rossellini, he directed this movie, like, La Terra Firma, that I really liked. Uh, that was about, like, uh, Sic- like these Sicilian fishermen in, like, the late 40s. Uh, and it's all, like, um, it's a, not a documentary, but all the actors were just, like, locals that had never acted in anything else. And so it was just a really cool film. And it kind of shows that, like the average Italian person could just be a great actor. Like, you don't need to, like... <laughs> they don't have to do anything. They're just cool. Like, they're just... They're done. They don't have to go to... Yeah, they don't need a Strasburg or anything. But um, I saw this, like, TV movie he made, and it's called Blaise Pascal. It's about the philosopher Blaise Pascal. Il metodo di ricerca di cui avete parlato può, ad esempio, misurare la distanza che ci separa da questo a quel punto. È però incapace di valutare la qualità del percorso. Lo spirito geometrico che sostiene il vostro metodo non è capace di, di riuscire a cogliere la diversità di tutto quello che ci circonda. Infatti può forse distinguere tutti i toni delle voci, i modi di camminare, di tossire, soffiarsi, starnutire. Può forse distinguere i frutti, le uve e fra queste i moscati. Voi partite dagli argomenti più semplici per arrivare ai più complessi, ma non dobbiamo piuttosto partire dagli argomenti più complessi per scendere ai più semplici. Siamo poco sicuri dei nostri passi e viviamo tra un'infinità e un abisso di quantità, un'infinità e un abisso di movimenti, un'infinità e un abisso di tempi, dai quali possiamo apprendere a conoscerci nella giusta maniera ed arricchirci di pensieri. 
che ritengo valgano di più di qualsiasi geometria. Il vostro è un metodo. Senza dubbio. Ma per riuscire a penetrare l'infinito è indispensabile un'infinità di metodi. E non è forse solo Dio che può conoscerli, dato che solo Egli è l'infinito. Queste, signore, sono delle obiezioni brillantissime, non nuove alla mia mente, ma può darsi che la vera finezza stia proprio nel non volere usare delle finezze. Mi rimarrà il ricordo del vostro discorso. Hundred and twenty nine minutes long, released in nineteen seventy two. Fucking boring movie. I'm just telling you up front. It is like, and I say that with love. It is a good. It's a great movie. I love it. But it's like you're just like watching people walk around really slowly. There's like no. There's only like one musical cue, and it like repeats. It's like Hong Sing Su style music, where it's like the same like. It's like the same like three chords on a loop over and over again, but it's like on an organ, so it sounds super ominous and scary, even though nothing's happening. And um it's just very it's like a very methodical in its presentation. And I feel like some people would say that it's like, you know, oh, this is kind of stodgy, it's very dry, but I feel like that there's a purpose to it. It's very methodical. It really like lingers in a way I appreciate. Because you're following, um, it's like the 17th century, and we're kind of like following this guy who's trying to like reacquaint himself with like God and like trying to like figure out like how to bring together his like logical side and his like spiritual side. Because he's this dude who will like, you know, have these long treatises, treat, uh, treatises about religion. And then afterwards, he'll invent the calculator or like he'll like invent or he'll invent public transportation. The movie like ends with him being like, uh, I have invented public transportation. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, boohoo. But my sister is dead and I don't know if God and is. Now I present to you the bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the carriage <laughs> that you can all share. But uh, <laughs> it's just like it's so um, the movie does such a great job of kind of like presenting how backwards everything is. At that time, like there's a scene in the beginning where it's like, oh, yeah, um, this guy can't come visit because like he saw a toad and he thought that toad was like cursed by a witch. Like there's so much like witchcraft at this time in France. And you have this guy who like invented the cal calculators like this juxtaposition is like so nuts. And then you have um, the scene where like he goes to view a trial. Because a person, his father is a tax collector, and one of the person, people he's trying to get taxes from is like, I can't pay you because I'm going broke because no one will buy my wares because everyone thinks my maid was like uh, cursed and has the devil within her. And so they don't want to be near me. And so they go to this trial to see like, you know, to see if this maid is like a witch and to see if she's like, you know possessed and it's just it's so the 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 methodical tone that this film takes becomes so effective and so like it just it's very moving and sad and you kind of feel you're like in pascal's shoes you're like why is 
this world this way? And why are like people <laughs> that are so ignorant so uh, sure of themselves? So um, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like uh, you know, over two hours long, super stodgy, but it's really good. I like it a lot. It's like a lot of like pained Frenchman faces. Like if you want to see a guy like sigh Frenchly and like be like and grimace like oh like the world is non magnifique like yeah watch this movie it's a banger dog <laughs> Roberto Mussolini's Pascal like ten out of ten uh, sad crosses like you know, goes and, and go, and force your force your parents that probably want to watch uh, True Lies for the third time to to watch this and convince them that it, this it, is okay. it sounds good Patrick but on Christmas um True Lies may have been a better. Yeah, I, feel, I, feel, I still feel really bad for making my folks. I mean, and they like, 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 sitting there. Yes. Ah, we like could have had Tom Arnold. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, dude. Um, Jesse, what do you got the five spot? I am going with a little movie that starts off like this. It lives 50 feet beneath the city. It's 36 feet long. It weighs 2,000 pounds and it's about to break out. Ladies and gentlemen, 1980s alligator. It lives 50 feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. Which I had never seen before, and I thought was what a magnificent thing. <laughs> yeah! Absolutely. Absolutely. Good call. Good call. What a movie. <laughs> so so before on the show, we love this movie. <laughs> I was waiting for the Blu-ray. I could have seen a bootleg. I missed it at the new Bev. And this one was, this was so much fun. Like I would have been okay with just the Robert Forrester cop hanging out in the sewers, looking for <laughs> animals and <laughs> missing body parts. <laughs> and then you throw in our good friend, Henry Silva, who's this yeah. game hunter. <laughs> doing the news report is like Echo Park with this like rifle. <laughs> just gonna, like it's funny. I don't. Does this does this movie actually take place? Is it New York or is it L.A.? Because like obviously it's L.A., but who knows? I think it's, it's like, Chicago. I want to say it's Chicago. Okay, well it's definitely. Not Which is it, it's, it's not was, Chicago. It's, it's clearly Los Angeles to anyone who knows anything about Los yeah, Angeles. One hundred percent. This movie is incredible. Yeah, well, because I was waiting for it to come out in blue, and I would, you know, I would, I could almost say this is like the best Blu-ray, like a movie that had been like, un- like, because I didn't think that I got a DVD right until this is stuck on VHS. No, I mean, it, it may have had a DVD, but it's been out of print for ages, at the mm. very least. Like this new Shout Factory one, like, w- yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's totally, totally awesome edition. Yeah, I highly recommend this for anyone who's looking for a good time. Especially like Robert Forrester is just great. And I wish the man would have gotten more, but at least we have Alligator. 
And Jackie Brown. And And walking the edge. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that almost made my list too because I didn't do that. That was, oh man. Vigilante, of course. Great vigilante. This is a man. Yeah, he ruled. One of the one of the very best to do it, without question. But uh, good, excellent pick, Jesse. I love alligator. It's uh, it number five spot. Number five spot for me, nineteen eighty six. We travel back to the country of France, of course. <laughs> We've been there a lot tonight, and um, a return to a guy who I fell in love with quite a while ago, and I've been catching up with. Um, some of the holes, and this could have gone to many movies, but I'm giving it to the Green Ray. On va s'amuser, on va rencontrer des gens. <rire> tu veux qu'on aille à la mer demain Faire de la voile. Euh, de la voile, euh, je veux bien aller à la mer, mais je peux pas faire de la voile parce que j'ai mal au cœur en bateau. T'as mal au cœur en bateau Il est pas mal, hein Bonjour Bonjour Tu es vachement piloté, toi. Tu sais, c'est au moment où on s'y attend le moins qu'on rencontre toujours quelqu'un, hein ah, Justement, je m'attends à rien, alors je voudrais bien voir si je peux rencontrer quelqu'un. <rire> Il te plaisait pas non, mais il a l'air un petit peu, un petit peu dragueur quand même sur les bords. Ah ben, t'arrives là, tu vas rencontrer personne, hein Je suis pas une aventurière. Je rencontre des mecs qui me courent après pour boire un pot ou pour des conneries. Bon, pour coucher peut-être tout ça, eh ben, eh ben, je les refuse, tous. Eh ben, celui-là, il devrait te plaire, il est très beau. Il est un peu sale. Bon. Mais il est magnifique, regarde. 1986, Eric Romer. Um... I watched, in addition to Green Ray, Aviator's Wife, Full Moon in Paris, Tale of Summer, Tale of Springtime this year when it comes to Romare, uh, for new Romare to me. Uh, but The Green Ray is one of his very best films. It has an incredibly Romare plot line, which is essentially a woman gets dumped and then cannot decide to, where to go on vacation. <laughs> which is <laughs> one of one of his uh, a classic Romare plot line, <laughs> if there ever was one. It is though. It's the lead actor um, is played by um, an actress by the name of Marie Riviere. Um, she like reaches an emotional depth that doesn't sometimes happen. In the Romare movies, you kind of feel her journey a lot more. Apparently, this movie was a huge influence on Joe Kim Trier for Worst Person in the World. He's a big fan of this movie. Oh. And um, this one's begging for like a full-scale Criterion release. Uh, it's currently on the Criterion channel, though. And um, it's just – I actually watched it twice this year. I liked it so much. And I think it's um, it's up there with you know just maybe just below like La Collectionuse and um, Claire's Knee in terms of the like top Romare movies. Romare, his movies are you know intellectual talk fests, beautiful people at beaches just chatting, no at nobody doing it. 
everybody talking about doing it, but nobody actually doing it. <laughs> it's uh, everyone because he's a prude. He's like a Catholic prude. He can't go there. That's kind of like part of the joy of his storytelling is his prudishness in this regard. But it's like he's so witty. He plays those games that Hong Sang Su does with his storytelling and his structure. This one jumps basically is like they'll put like a date on the screen and kind of jump ahead in time mm. based on that. Um, and that kind of playfulness, I believe, if I remember correctly, like the tarot cards have something to do with the journey she's on in this as well. This is part of his um, his uh, comedies and proverb cycle. <laughs> Oh yes, we are getting French. Oh, by the by the way, I, I, I'm very much considering when I edit this, um, incorporating uh, the Wee oui Wee oui Magnifique from the Tim and Eric's movie, The Diamond Gym. <laughs> whenever we say, whenever we say it's a French film, I just want to put Wee oui Wee oui Magnifique. Wee oui Wee oui Magnifique. <laughs> just uh, a little, yeah. a little sandboard. <laughs> noise. It really is. It really is him living in that universe tonight, isn't it? But this was the fifth in the Comedies and Proverbs series, which Comedies he basically his first set of films and the kind of the his like true blue classics, the um um Six Moral Tales kind of started his first cycle of movies. Then he did some historical movies, then he returned to the Comedies and Proverbs movies and then he did the t- the seasons movies where he did tale of autumn tale of spring tale of winter and summer as well and uh, he's an absolutely fascinating director if you're a honghead get on board with romare like you'll like him too i'm getting um, on the romare the green ray was my favorite the green ray was my favorite this year but full moon in paris was very close i really liked full moon in paris as well yeah. patrick what do you got in the sixth spot Oh man, uh, we're out of Wee Wee Magnifique, and uh, we're uh, tra- we're traveling down to West Germany, guys. Yeehaw! Get your leader hose, y'all. <laughs> we're in West Germany. <laughs> I'm Bavarian <laughs> Bill. <laughs> my, my classic West German character. Um, but but uh, uh, it's another uh uh. Silly, or not silly, it's the opposite of silly. It's very serious. It's another seri- overly serious TV movie, folks. I saw this movie. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I saw this. Yes, yes, baby. I oh, saw good. This mo- That's good. Oh, very good. Uh, I saw this movie on a Saturday night. You know, some people on Saturday night, you know, they want to hang with their family. They want to go on a date. They want to go out to the club. They want to, you know, b- exercise, uh, build connections with people, uh, find their long lost uh, relatives, whatever. <laughs> Not this boy. <laughs> I want to go to a, a, a movie theater with 30 other freaks at the New Bev and watch a four hour fucking TV miniseries that's been edited into a movie. And uh, that um, TV miniseries, uh, yeah, that is at, uh, you know, it's at a whopping, I don't know, actually, yeah, two, two, it's at a whopping 204 minutes. It's uh, Rainer Werner Fastbinders, World on a Wire. Du eins, Herr. Rupp, Herr Rupp. Ich wäre Ihnen dankbar, wenn Sie Ihren Lesern gelegentlich den Unterschied zwischen einem Computer und unserem Simulationsmodell nahebringen würden. Es handelt sich um eine völlig neue Generation in der Computertechnologie. Und wem nützt sie? 
uns allen, wenn es nach mir geht. really fucking good it rules it's it's long it's daunting it's 204 minutes but um the way this movie works um they're at this company okay it's uh i'm trying to remember the name of it i think it's like uh cybernetics and future sciences that's the name of the company dr fred stiller he comes in he's the head of the new supercomputer simulation program why is he the head the previous head uh, found out something weird and uh, <laughs> er, disappeared in a really weird way. <laughs> it did not go, did not go out well. Um, when the head of security of this company goes to tell Fred what's up with this other guy and his disappearance, he suddenly disappears. And then on top of that, everyone else in this town uh, acts like this dude never existed, this head of security guy. And so... I don't want to give away too much because this movie goes into a lot of interesting, weird places, but, um, you know, it's kind of like the original, like, are we in a simulation film? It's like every, like the matrix, uh, existence, all that shit comes from this. Uh, there are like some visuals, uh, that will stick in my head forever that come from this movie. There's like a scene where someone is uh, getting shot at and then they get turned into like a dog out of nowhere. And that's really weird and scary because uh, <laughs> it's so unexpected. Um, yeah, it's a banger. It's a 10 out of 10. I don't want to give away that much more because uh, it's the type of movie I think that's best to uh, enter with as knowing as little about it as possible. Now it's funny you mentioned this because I actually own this Blu-ray. I've watched it once. I got through it once and I vaguely remember it because I got it when it first came out. It was like four years ago. All I remember is the images were very, very, very striking. And I think it was shot by Michael Bajas. Uh, yes, shot a lot of the I believe so. Early, yeah, good fellas. Yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, the, there's like this one. I was just I almost watched it without the sound and just watched it just purely for the visual. And even though it's like, I think it's like a, it's, it's, it's shot for TV, so it's like a square aspect ratio. But um, yeah, I like, I think, that, is this the only path that is like a sci-fi, right? Quote, unquote, mm -hmm. sci-fi. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it's definitely worth checking out at least once. <laughs> Cause, yeah, yeah, I agree. I've seen it before as well, and I feel the same way. There's like, yeah, there's... Uh, it's a striking movie. Oh, for sure. There's like a there's like a scene that's like one of my favorite scenes of the year where just like uh the protagonist and this other guy, I can't remember if it's like his boss or like his friend, they're just like spinning around in chairs. They're like in office chairs, just spinning around in circles. Yeah, yeah. And there's like no there's no justification for it. There's no like they never explain why they're doing it or why they like, you know, or like what led to this. And it just I don't know. It's it remind it's something like it's the equivalent to that one scene in the beginning of like the Twin Peaks pilot where that kid like closes his locker and then like does like a moonwalk away from his locker. And it's just <laughs> like you don't know why this happened, but it's beautiful and you know that 
the God is real. Like you just like, you're like this is just like a magnet just a magnificent moment you've just witnessed. I it's don't like, know what it means, but I like it. Yeah. Yes. So like yeah, it's more of those in movies. Yeah, no, give me that. Like at least like a, a glimpse of that here and there. Just like Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Because yeah, life is serendipitous. Shit happens in life. That's yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> odd occurrences, you know. Give me. Yeah, more it doesn't need that. to make yeah. sense. Does not need to make sense. Well, it's just... And then I love that he went with the ultra. ultra I don't know if it's budget constraints, but the ultra sparse soundtrack in this. It's just like this wavy guitar just strumming back and forth, like an ocean wave crashing in and out almost. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, I don't know if that I forget if it's played throughout the movie, but I definitely know at the end it's just like wow, wow, and then that's all it is. <laughs> that's the whole entire score, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and it works. He's he's it's on my list to um, kind of go into some of the ones of his that I have not seen this coming year. He's Ooh. been on my mind on trying to catch up with some of the. Uh, the pockets because he's i mean he has like you know talk about prolific but his prolific he was prolific because he was on coke and speed non-stop until he died of a heart attack at 40 but oh my but goodness. i think like but he um you know he's got like what like 35 movies jesse 40 movies something like that yeah something like that well actually bringing it back so back in Seattle, I think we tried to watch the Fast Center for movie night. I think it was American. We watched. We watched that for movie night. Yeah, in a very early iteration of it. Very early iteration. No. I remember being striking good. black and white. No, he's visually he's probably great. Yeah, very adventurous storytelling wise. I mean, a movie like um, it's so influential. Like Merchant of Four Seasons was a huge influence on Taxi Driver. Ollie Fear It's the Soul is essentially, um, you know, what's the Todd Haynes movie? Far from Heaven. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And that's like back in the seventies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and his, um, you know, a difficult. You know, you can read up on. He was a diff. <laughs> a difficult man would be an understatement on his deal, but one of the all-time like madmen creators in cinema history like i mean like he would because he you know world on a wire is a long one but if you look at his berlin alexander platt's 13 hour miniseries (laughs) that he did you know totally different story or even eight hours don't make a day which i think is like six hours long (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> but World on Wire wasn't it originally meant to be like digested as like episodic and not just yeah. like, one like foul swoop. Yeah, because I think if you break it up, like okay, it's more digestible. I think of, like, like you could compare him in some ways. He's you know this guy's not as prolific, but, but in terms of being like a prodigiously talented lunatic auteur, like you know Lars von Trier somebody like that you know of this level but Fassbender was so much more like melodramatic and emotional because uh, you know Von Trier is like Nordic cool whereas Fast like psycho German yeah <laughs> yeah more Sturm and drunk. Yeah. well it's Ain't like he's very, punk. He, he's very punk he's a very punk yeah. filmmaker you know and that yeah. entire German new wave I mean him 
Herzog and Fenders, among others. It's just what a wealth of movies to get into. Um, what do you have at the sixth spot, Jesse? I think I actually talked Don into actually buying this. <laughs> like, oh, hell yeah. Titans, like, so <laughs> mine goes to 1986's Writing Wrongs with uh, the fabulous and so talented Cynthia Rothrock. Someone murdered our star witness. Surely you're not going to take the law into your own hands. I know what to do. Um, we can we can cu- we can cut it in. This is actually my number nine movie, so we can talk about it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, what a movie, man! This what a movie! Yeah. I was blown away by this. I was just like, how I had never seen this movie before. I was just blown away because I had like seen some of like the eighties or not even eighties, but like late eighties, nineties Cynthia Rothrock, and I was just like, yeah, she's cool, she's kicking ass, but it's definitely Americanized. And then like her Hong Kong stuff, which I kind of like went back and re dug up, like. Yes, madam, like her and um, Michelle Yeoh just like kicking ass in Hong Kong. Um, and then this was just kind of like, I would almost want to say her only like Hong Kong like starring role. It's just like all Cynthia busting ass the whole entire way through. And yeah, it's just a, a feast for the eyes. We watched this on movie night and it knocked everybody on their asses. The entire room was like, that movie kicked so much ass. <laughs> Uh, Corey Yoon, 1986, and you're right, when Vinegar Syndrome announced their big deluxe Blu-ray, we were like, let's just go in on it and buy it so I don't see. It's like a three-disc set, and like, yeah. th- there's oh like an God. alternate ending, there's like an English like dub version, and it's like all this like crazy pieces, and then on the third disc, there's even like this, like, Kung Fu documentary made in like the 80s that I don't even think released anywhere else on there. It's Hosted like, by John Saxton. John Whoa. Saxton, another beloved gentleman. So, yeah. But yeah, it like, um, it go, it kicks so much ass. It's surprising. It's easy. The ending is like out of nowhere. <laughs> like shocking. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal did it because you, you just kind of. Did you? Did you go back and watch the tournament ending? No. The only I kind of like. Ex- I kind of accepted the way this one ends, which is like absolutely like apocalyptic almost. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it was at the end of Dead Alive versus like, well, let's just blow up the fucking earth, you know? Like, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically, you know, it's a crime drama with like some of the greatest martial arts action you'll ever see. And you, Jesse's absolutely right. Like this was on my list too. This not, I love this movie. I saw this. Yeah. <laughs> and, it yeah. rules. And, and fucking whips ass. Just, like, knocked my socks off. And I was just like, yeah, what's, what's 2023? I feel like Hong Kong action slash Kung Fu is like the most, like we don't really have any of those releases for like, you know, like the bastards, like, you know, Warner Brothers recut, redubbed, re like titled like Jackie mm-hmm. Chan stuff from like the nineties, but like besides that, like we don't even we don't even have like a decent transfer of the killer, you know, or hard boiled or any of that stuff here. So mm-hmm. um at least someone's doing God's work and putting this out. And I think you're right, like, you know, we've seen we're now kind of the whether it's horror or giallo 
or even Italian crime, like, we're kind of, like, heading toward the end of the line in those, like, cycles in <laughs> turn getting them, getting these, like, nice blue editions. But, like, the world of Hong Kong action and martial arts movies on good Blu-ray editions is, um... Yeah, this it's is like, like the tip of the iceberg, man. It's like, yeah, we're just yeah. getting started here, and this is gonna, this is gonna be we're talking about the next like five, ten years, <laughs> like of these kind of things. Dude, all I want is Royal Warriors and Yes, Madam, on Blue. And then... Well, the Yes, Madam got announced by eighty-eight films. It's well, part hey. of a box set, so yeah, they're I'm at a region A, and I'll be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> get that region free blue, baby. That movie kicks ass. It's on my list too, so we can kill two birds with one stone. I won't replace it. I'll just I agree. Like if you all out there and listen the listeners have not seen Writing Wrongs yet, you are interested in martial arts, Hong Kong action, you're interested in Cynthia Rothrock, this should be at the top of your list. Like it kicks ass. Um speaking of kicking ass. Ah. Number six spot. Uh, instead of kicking ass, would you like two mopey guys wandering around Los Angeles and had their dating lives in the 1980s? Well, look no further than 1984's Heartbreakers from Bobby Roth. Little action. Are we about to have sex? And when they fall for the same woman, I'm going to marry her. The action gets a little hot. She's not your type. Heartbreakers, the story of a high-risk friendship. I beat you. Heartbreaker. I am your friend. Heartbreaker. Rated R. Starts Friday, September 28th at a theater near you. The movie. Another one I called Jesse like after I watched it. I was like, this movie's so good. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> this one no, had... I think I, uh, I think I actually watched it because I think they had talked about PCP and there was actually like a... Uh, a DVD, is real, or maybe you've seen a VHS upload on YouTube, and mm-hmm. that's how I watched it. And then, like, half a month later, it's like, oh, it's coming to Blu-ray. It's like, oh, man, it's going to hold up. Yeah. Uh, this one was released by, uh, for my money, my favorite non-criterion label going right now, which is the Vinegar Syndrome side label Fun City Editions, who, um, you know, I mean, you name it, they've bigger movies like smile or cutter's way that just needed to go like to be out there for people to get to like real discoveries like i start counting or jeremy or um the aforementioned walking edge like they're doing excellent work and kind of like living pretty heavy in the 70s and 80s it's just kind of my favorite zone too <laughs> for these kind of things but hikers is a like L.A. indie movie, also shot by Michael Bauhaus, by the way. Um, directed by Bobby Bobby Roth, who I think, like, you know, kind of a, was a journeyman director. Uh, he's married to Pamela Springsteen. Interesting, fun fact there, Bruce's sister. Uh, but he directed a ton of Prison Break. That was he was like Prison Break's in-house director later on in life. But this <laughs> one is like. Very, very clearly, like, a from the heart, these are my guys, this is my world kind of story. And it's, uh, the two actors in it are Peter Coyote and Nick Mancuso. And Peter Coyote is, like, this, like, 
Well, they're both dicks. We should get that off the table right now. They're both not the nicest guys in the world. I mean, hey, <laughs> and, um... one of them tried to steal AT. Yeah. yeah, one of them. But Peter Coyote is um, an artist who um, is just, like, locked in on his weird work, which is all, like, um, like 80s, like, painted erotica. <laughs> it's, like, not... It's. It seems like something that would have been really, really hot in 1984, and then by 1994, everyone would have been like, this sucks. <laughs> like, oh, no. and then Nick, but like on the other side of things, Nick Mancuso is like Mr. Yuppie 80s business. They're both trying to meet the, you know, the love of their life. Um, Peter Coyote at the start, his girlfriend is played by Catherine Harold, who the longtime listeners might re- remember. <laughs> poor, the poor girlfriend to Albert Brooks in Modern Romance. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who he's tried to get back the entire movie. <laughs> the original slasher film, Modern Romance. Here is the masterpiece, Modern Romance. Yes. Um, and it's just kind of about these guys and their friendship and, like, all of these, like, the they're kind of romantic interludes and career interludes that kind of travel through them. But it's, like, it's an amazing study of, like, Ooh. masculine friendship and insecurities and so forth. There's yeah. a pretty groundbreaking scene that's really like fascinating, like sad scene where they end up um, going home with the, a woman who basically is like, this is another story talk about design for a living, um, but much more 1980s graphic. Um, she wants to have sex with both of them. Mm. And it happens. It's graphic. Oh, oh. It's on screen, and it's like the the two guys are like looking at each other, like, "Are we really like here together for this kind of thing?" And it's like it kind of bounces out, like, "Who are they? Like, what is their relationship? How do they even like each other? Do they actually really like each other?" Like, there's all these oh. kind of like, and it's never really like totally resolved, but it's like it's such a great undersung from the heart personal indie drama the huh. warts and all movie too they're they're rough characters both the performances are excellent um you know it's 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 um it's a it's a pretty heavy you think it's going to kind of be like a almost like a comedy at first mm-hmm. but it and it's pretty light in the get-go but then it does get darker and darker and sadder for these two guys and the 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 women they kind of treat poorly and but it's a fascinating movie it's exactly like you know we were just talking about it with like hong kong action movies it's like this is the hope with these like sub labels and stuff like that is like keep finding these gems that these undersung movies you know like the writing wrongs and the heartbreakers of the world two different two completely different movies but two movies i'm so happy that came out on these great Blu-rays. Like the Heartbreakers Blu-ray, like Bobby Roth does, a, he they showed it at the New Bev, and he came out for the screenings, and it was just like how cool for him that this movie that like had been kind of like lost to YouTube, yeah. now it's this audience, people are coming out the theater to go see, and like oh wow, this is like an undersung cool movie, and I I, I loved it. I can't recommend yeah. it more. Yeah, it's generally cool when like. It not only does it sound like a passion project, but it also sounds like a snapshot of a spe- very specific era. Oh, in, like, yeah, the uh, 
1984 art LA art scene is like totally like represented in this movie and it's great. It's yeah, it's, it's really it's, terrific. It's like anthropology porn. I love that type of shit. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I will um I got a couple I got a movie later to bring up that is it was a huge influence on Heartbreakers that I also loved that I digging back through some of Bobby Roth's influences on Heartbreakers. But we'll get to that in a bit. Patrick, number seven. Oh, man, number seven. This is a movie I also saw at the New Bev. Uh, I think I bought this ticket on a whim. I think I watched this movie. This is another movie where, like, it was, like, only 20 or 30 people came in because I think, like, the uh, L.A. um, Like, the mayoral race was happening this day. Like, the election. It was, like, the day of the election, and they were tallying votes. And I have a feeling that a lot of people were just, like, you know, kind of, like, chewing their fingernails. You know, wondering Don't let whether the mall or not... guy win. <laughs> I know, not Mr. Mallboy. No, 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 not Mr. Grove. Uh, although, hey, the Americana, pretty fun. Uh, but uh, it's just, just stay at your mall, dude. Just work at your mall. You don't need anything else. You're fine. That's enough. Wait, that's the thing. He made some good malls. That's all like, you need to are, do. Those, those are su- successful malls. Stay at your mall, <laughs> asshole. But uh, well, that was happening. Yeah. Well, that was happening. Uh, I uh, I watched this movie with like twenty other. Uh, weirdos called Paradise Alley. Hey, are you crazy? Dancing monkey, look at the dancing monkey. Come on, dance. You make me look good. Hey, I, 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 I'm just glad Mom finds your life to see how their voice is turning out. Look at this. I'm a struggling businessman. This guy here hauls ice around like a dumb Eskimo, and you throw stiffs in a crate. It's a very classy crew. Everybody needs something, and what you need is a lot of me wrapped around you on a cold night. Look, so what bothers me is I keep getting a freeze from this tomato. I am. Where'd you want this houseboat again? Houseboat in Jersey. Houseboat in Jersey. Well, listen, wrestling could be your passport out of the city real soon. It's a growing sport, I'm telling you. You know, since everybody knows you now as Kid Salami, I want you to hang a few salamis around your neck. That's kind of a trademark. Salami! It's getting banged around too much. I don't like it. Now, if you don't like the sight of blood, kid, you're in the wrong racket, okay? Hey, I'm talking about our brook. You love him? Yes. Well, close the window, Annie. I'm gonna close the window! Oh, you wanna close the window? Fine! With this one match, we can be on the way to some real success. Yeah, and who's he got to rest? Hey, Vic, you can't do that. First, I'm gonna smash you! Then I'm gonna get you! I'm gonna smash the whole family! For a guy with pigeon stuff on your shoulder, Cosmo. <laughs> uh, directed by our boy Sly Stallone, baby. <laughs> the, original, the original hunk of beef himself, Mr. Stallone. Uh, a nice. movie that uh, the movie that he claims like without this movie, um, had I had not written this film and. Uh, Gone into like uh were um I think what was it like he had like a a person he was gonna produce this movie with who was like a total jerk and then when he went to present this movie to other producers that guy like screwed him over but then the other producers were like hey we do you have any scripts that you could like show us and then he like wrote Rocky in a day and so like Ro- Rocky wouldn't exist without Paradise Alley is what I'm trying to say which is beautiful uh and it's look it's a weird movie it doesn't work all the way. I would best describe it as Dick Tracy meets Hard Times. It's like <laughs> Hard Times, like the plot of Hard Times, you know, guy, you know, it's like a a wrestler and his like, you know, it's it's a movie about like a wrestler 
and his manager and another guy. Which <laughs> uh, in this case are like they're and they're like three brothers, so it works out. Like you know, there's like these three brothers. There's like this big uh, beefy brother who's the wrestler who goes by uh, God. What is his crazy? Let me look it up. I have it written down. It's a name that's so good that it has to be. It would be uh, rude of me not to mention it. Oh my God. Uh, it's because it has a certain cured meat in it. That's the thing. There's a certain he's he, his outfit includes a certain deli <laughs> item. Uh, he's festooned with them. He's just just festooned with these deli items. Well, he's this Victor. Act- is his character name? Victor is his character name. Where? Are they? Oh, he's Kid Salami. Thank you, Kid Salami. Yeah, he's Kid Salami. He goes, he, they're Italian. They're the Carboni <laughs> brothers. It's Armando Sante is kind of like the 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 play the, the 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 smart one, the guy who the only one of the three brothers that has like a real job. He works at the morgue, but then he ends up becoming the manager of Kid Salami because Sylvester Stallone, who's like the fuck up brother who pretends. Here's the cool thing about this movie: this is Sylvester Stallone at like his slimiest and weakest. You will never see Sylvester Stallone you know, pretend to be an amputee to get, like, change from people <laughs> on the streets ever again in a film. It is, like, uh, kind of nice seeing, like, a Sylvester that's a little more tender and uh, not as effective as he usually is. A pre-Rambo uh, pre, uh, Sylvester, if you will. A pre, uh, you know, a post-Rocky, but pre-Rambo. There's Kevin Conway as Stitch Mahone. Terry Funk is in this movie as the, most, the world's most evil Irishman. He's so good in this film. He's just this like, like the guys in this. Oh, he's he's incredible in it. Frank McRae is in it too. He's great. His whole thing. He gets this weird arc. Part of why this movie is so like, um, fun to watch is that the world is like slightly heightened. It does feel like a Dick Tracy like style, like universe they live in. Like, everything just feels a ten percent goofier than it actually should be. Like humans are like. (laughs) 15% 15% more distorted than they actually should be. Like, just everyone looks and feels weirder. Uh, Tom Waits is in this. It's, like, one of his very first performances in a film, I think. Uh, it's just a banger. It's just really fun to watch these guys fight. It's such a shame that Lee Canalito really didn't do anything. He's was, like, in maybe one or two movies in, like, smaller supporting roles. He never really got to, like, I think, like, because this movie was so negatively received when it came out, he must have been turned off from, like, you know, acting from it. And he's so good as this, like, tender, dumb, he's, like, so, like, it's a cliche character. He plays, like, the the big lug who has a tender heart, but he plays it so well, and he's so, like, uh, I don't know, he's so enjoyable. He's like Aldo Ray and Pat and Mike, just someone who's like a total ding dong, but you can't help but love him. It's like, and and he just is like, just willing to like do anything his dumb brothers make him do. Like wear a shirt covered in salamis and fight people for a living and destroy your body and mind. Yeah, sure. Why not go to town? I'll do it. Um, yeah, it's a banger. 10 out of 10. Watch Paradise Alley. There's a excellent chapter on Paradise Alley in Tarantino's book that he released this year, Cinema Speculation. He is a massive he had his own print struck of Paradise Alley. And he That's... apparently would tell anyone who would listen in nineteen seventy eight that Stallone was gonna be like the next John Ford or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? What's crazy is 
I can kind of see, I, I get where he's coming from. Cause like, is it like a perfect movie? I think like, I think the tone will turn off some people. It does feel just like weirdly like cartoonish at points, but like just the amount of guys alone in this movie, just like having Frank Mc, Mc, McRae and Terry Funk and Sylvester Stallone. Joe Joe Spinell, all yeah. these like weird <laughs> guys in a movie. That's worth the price of admission. More movies should Stallone just be weirdos. Was, Stallone is Stallone is no tour. There's no question about it. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish I gotten... I wish I had made it to I wish I had made it up to that screening with you, Patrick. That would have been a good time. <laughs> oh, dude, we would have been talking and John. We would have been enjoying hooting and hollering in the back. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what do you got in the seventh spot? Yeah, we have for number seven a movie I know had been around for quite some time, but had only gotten a chance this year is 1977's John Flynn's Rolling Thunder. He's been away for eight years. Now he's coming home. Speaking for myself, I'd like to say that the whole experience has made a better man. A better officer and a better American out of me. Thank you very much. But the world has changed. I've been with another man. You don't remember me, do you? And he's changed too. Pull it up in the air like you're going to take me clear on up to the ceiling. All right. This... Now, higher, man. Higher till you hear the bones starting to crack. That's it. Higher! Come on, higher! Higher! I got to go now. What do you expect me to do? Just drop everything? Too slow. It's gonna take some time to readjust. Jay! Ah! Shut up! Your husband, he's got a whole bag of silver dollars, and if I don't get him, he's gonna die. No, don't! Please don't! I wish you could remember something. A name, a face, an accent, anything. I can't. You can't just let it slide, Major. They don't have any right to live. There's a storm brewing in this man. They took his arm, they took his family, and his soul. His anger is building, and it's going to explode. Now, from Paul Schrader, the author of Taxi Driver, comes a new and shattering film about a man poised on the brink of violence. Rolling Thunder, starring William Devane as Charles Rain. He has a purpose. He has a plan. It's only a matter of time. I found them. Who? The man who killed my son. I'll just get my gear. There's the four that came into my home. And there's eight or ten of them. Let's go clean them up. Rolling Thunder. Oh, you uh, hadn't seen it till this year. No. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. What an incredible movie. And like, uh, everything about this is like, you had me at vengeance and like I'm sold on this movie because yeah, everything about it, you know, he's got the hooks, he's got Tommy Lee Jones as his best bro. Like one line, this isn't explaining anything. The movie really heats up after let me get my gear. And then after that, oof, we are off and going because this <laughs> this man is on a rampage. Uh yeah. It, it's 
probably, I, I would almost put it at my number one discovery of the year. Because, yeah, as far as an exploitation, acting, it, it just ticks all the boxes for me. Um, what, a, what a fantastic movie. Yeah, we watched it a couple weeks ago for the umpteenth time. Because <laughs> it really is, it does everything you want. <laughs> like, and you're right, Jesse, like, did you pop out of your seat when Johnny, when Tommy Lee Jones said that line and, like, do a fist pump? Yeah, I was just like, okay, now, now we're rolling. Well, because, like, not, not to say anything bad. And, like, 7-7, seven, seven, you know, like, it, not, not that it was a dragging, because, like, you know, he had all these expositions, like, like, the other girl, blah, 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 blah. Once he said that, like, I, I was sold on the movie. It took a little bit of time to get there, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. I want you to succeed. Go on this mission. Do what you got to do, man. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> you know? what, what, <laughs> what, a, what a piece of filmmaking. Like, uh, it's, a, you know, this, this, you know, and then John Flynn, you know, what, what a fantastic, you know, this guy's, can I say, John Flynn is a winner. Um, I've yet to see the outfit. That was the one screening I kind of wanted to miss, that I kind of wanted to see, but I totally missed. But um, yeah, um, go see Rolling Thunder. I, I agree. I think it's um, is the epitome of the Vietnam veteran movie who has come home for Vietnam, but maybe has not come home. <laughs> from Vietnam <laughs> like no. both him William Devane and maybe my favorite William Devane performance just period I think um, and Tommy Lee like oh yeah Tommy Lee Jones was great because I think uh, I was talking to you because like after I'd seen it I was like I wanted to dig up like the older Tommy Lee like 70s Tommy Lee um, the one I still haven't seen, and I'm still intrigued to see, is called The Park is Mine, where he, like, takes Central Park hostage, essentially, which sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I had had a copy of it somewhere, but I still haven't watched it. Jackson County Jail is another kind of, like, slimy, uh, that one seems rough. kind of movie. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it either. There's, I want to. a couple like that. Yeah. But yeah, we so good in um the eyes of Laura Mars too. Speaking of young Tommy oh. Lee Jones, yeah. But yeah, if you if you uh, if you out there have not seen like just take Jesse's advice like watch Rolling Thunder like if any of the movies we've actually mentioned, yeah, watch that first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the best one. That's the best top, one top out of all. This. You will not be like, disappointed. Yeah. Like. It, it, William, the movie has it all. William Devane rules so hard too. Like, incredible that like he was still like uh, what was it? He was like he was easily the best part of the grinder. Did you guys ever watch that show on uh, yeah. Fox? I oh, did man. actually. <laughs> it's it was really it's a great season of television, and he's by far the funniest part of that. And it's really cool that that guy at his age still had like, you know, perfect comedic timing, which is not like something that his you know the, a lot of the films he did. Catered to necessarily. I don't know. Great actor. It should be no. Yeah, it should be noted that there is absolutely zero that is funny. 
about Rolling yeah. Thunder. <laughs> yeah, roll the Rolling Thunder. Yeah. 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 If you're going in expecting the mask, you are hopefully yeah. mistaken, sir. <laughs> no goops. Like, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of that Alan, Alan Cooming shit. The, um, Jen always says whenever she sees William Devane that uh, she keeps thinking it's my dad. She like she's very reminded. Like she feels like he looks and like behaves like my dad. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Learn that, like it, but kind of like yeah, his like like his character in the grinder, I think, is like cl- much closer to my dad. <laughs> <than> <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that's such a good pick, Jesse. Man, I love that movie so much. Um. My number seven is uh, so the director I probably like spent the most time with this year and kind of like delving really deeply into was Billy Wilder. And I read a book called Dancing on the Edge, Billy Wilder uh, by Joseph McBride. That was kind of my guiding light. I watched a bunch like I'd only seen like Double Indemnity and Sunset Boulevard in Mm. the apartment, like the big ones. Yeah, the classics. Uh, and I watched The Fortune Cookie, The Major and the Minor, Five Graves to Cairo, Foreign Affair, Lost Weekend, One, Two, Three, Fedora, and my pick, Kiss Me Stupid. Remember Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot? Who doesn't? And Billy Wilder's The Apartment? Great, great. And Billy Wilder's Irma LaDuce? Hilarious. But what's he done lately? Kiss me, stupid. You're kidding. What could it possibly be about? Yeah, well, you see, it's like this. There's this famous nightclub swinger, a uh, singer, with a one-track mind. You made my life so glamorous. You can't blame me for feeling amorous. Now, is this a bit of terrific? Hmm? Last night, she was banging on my door for 45 minutes. But I wouldn't let her out. Then there's Polly the Pistol, the friendliest cocktail waitress in the Belly Button Cafe. Hey, Polly, we're just wondering, how do you get that thing to stay in there? I glue it in. (laughs) What would happen if I unglued it? It'd get fear in your eye. (laughs) And there's this jealous husband, you stay away from my wife, do you hear me? What? Pussyfooting around behind my back, bringing flowers to a married woman. Let go of me! You order me horsewhipped. Oh, and then what happens? Well, Dino thinks Kim's Ray's wife, but she's not. Well, who is she? I told you, she's Polly the Pistol. Here's the wife. I have no more lessons today, and we're all alone in the house. So why don't we... In the middle of the afternoon? Now I understand. She's the one he's jealous of. Yeah, but it was all his idea. Who's he? Ray's partner. It was his idea to substitute the cocktail waitress for the wife to fool the boyfriend. Only things get kind of mixed up. I think you're too old for it. Too old for what? You can't sing that song. I told Orville to send it to somebody younger, like the Beatles. The Beatles? I sing better than all of them put together, and I'm younger. Then I'll have them put together. Mixed up is right. If she's the wife, what's she doing with the boyfriend? Well, he thinks... I mean, she thinks... Oh, you'll have to go see it. Go see what? 
Kiss me, stupid. Kiss Me Stupid was a maligned flop in 1964 when it came out. But in his book, Joseph McBride really, really argues for the value of Kiss Me Stupid. And when we watched it, it just builds and builds and builds. And his craft as a screenwriter as just like goes and goes and goes and goes. It's kind of mean-spirited. It's very cynical. It's very, very funny. And ultimately, like, deeply, like, heartwarming and a wonderful experience and the final line of the movie is you would guess it the title of the movie and it earns it all it earns the entire landing it's phenomenal i loved it it has dean martin and ray walston and kim novak are the three leads ray walston's character probably should have been played by jack lemon but you know (laughs) call it like it you know whatever yeah uh but it was like the the thing with him is um yeah i think he's one of those filmmakers where you know you hear about oh he's so good he's the best he's the best writer all these kind of things and really to give it time to read along with this book to study the movies to like do the homework this year and it wasn't homework it was all a pleasure and um there's still more to come. I have not watched all of them, all of his movies yet, and I want to get to the ones I haven't seen. Kiss Me Stupid really stuck out. If I didn't pick Kiss Me Stupid, though, um, one, two, three would be the other discovery. Jesse, I know you're a big one, two, three fan. What a film. I still haven't seen Kiss Me Stupid, but um, one, two, three. Highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. And I'm just like seeing like uh like Ray Walston, like we were slagging him a bit, but he's really good in the damn Yankees. Like he is very good as like the <laughs> devil. Like he's a good he's a fun actor. Yeah. And it, yeah, you can't you know, you can't uh, compete with Lemon though. And uh as we learned watching uh Dino Syndrome. Uh yeah. But uh just like some of these people in the cast, like John but, yeah, uh, the in basics, um and it's basically like a um take down a small town America which Ooh. no one was happy with <laughs> at the time. Uh, Dean Martin plays a character named Dino. He's he's not doing a lot of acting. Or he's playing Dean Martin <laughs> almost completely. <laughs> it's one of the first actual examples of someone taking their persona who everyone knows them as and kind of making fun of it and making them a worse person than, oh. <laughs> than they were. And Dino doing Dino. Yeah, so he leaves Las Vegas. His car breaks down in this small town. These two jackass wannabe songwriters live in the town, and they want to, like, keep him in town so so they can play him their songs in the hopes that he will buy their songs. Oh, God. But he, he is an unrepentant womanizer, so he, like, wants to sleep with Ray Walston's wife, and that's kind of the incentive for him staying in the oh, town. No. But Ray <laughs> Walston's like, no, 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 no. So he tricks his wife to, like, go somewhere else, and he hires Kim Novak to play his wife. Ah. She's kind of a lady of the night who works at a roadhouse, but wants more out of her life. And she's, and it's, like, as the movie progresses, though, we realize the women are the ones with the agency in the movie, and they really deserve... They're the only ones who deserve a happy ending. These songwriters don't deserve shit. They're awful. 
Dean Martin is like just a drunken louche, like as you'd expect him to be. And but it twists and turns, and you kind of like discover the heart and everything. And it's just like, it yeah, and it takes a bite out of all these American jackass men completely in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, like I said, like apparently the reviews at the time were like almost claimed it was anti-American. Oh wow. Yeah, because it was just like so mean. In a way, to these guys, but it was like I just present these like just jerks, these assholes, and yeah. which is why like if you cast Jack Lemon in the part, because Jack Lemon has like a much more inherent likability than Ray Walston does, that maybe uh, yeah. would have put this movie over the lot like a little more <laughs> like like right. but like but if he, even like the apartment, one of his most celebrated movies, is about a man who rents his apartment to his boss so his boss can sleep with his mistress at the apartment who he drives to near suicide. (laughs) It's like, his movies like, his movies rock because they are so crazy in how, where the stories go and how far he's willing to push them and Kiss Me Stupid pushes it as far as almost any of them go. Kiss Me Stupid, like, it was just so satisfying and it's kind of universally disliked that I thought it deserved a deserve some credit. What do you have at the eight spot, Patrick? Oh man. I'm gonna God, I need to watch that movie. I need to see the antics of Dino in the small town. Uh and it sounds like it's cool that Billy Wilder is someone who can make it's like, you know, this is a time where it was difficult. Uh you know, even as time went on, like, he was making movies about difficult stuff in a time when it was very difficult to, like, you know. Yeah, the apartment's kind of like a weird miracle in a way, because uh, you think about the social mores that he's swimming in when he's directing that, and how he's able to taste, not only, like, you know, release that film, but have it be critically acclaimed and have, like, total mass appeal. It's be- a beautiful thing. That's like a skill. I think if I think you think about him too, it's like at the height of his powers, he made Ace in the Hole, <laughs> which is like I know you like that one too, Jesse, right? Uh, that movie is perfect. Yeah, and one of the like meanest movies ever made. <laughs> like... yeah. yeah, but I almost feel in the beginning you like you're like oh well you know. Kirk Douglas is kind of down on his luck. Well, then again, he's like burned all the bridges on his own behalf. But at the same time, like, he's cruising through the barren straits of Arizona, or is it is it New Mexico or Arizona? I forget where it takes place. But mm-hmm. he's like, I am a newspaper man. <laughs> I'm gonna take over your town. I gotta lock this this guy who's like locked in a cave under a rock. We're gonna keep him there a bit longer. Oh no. <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> Yeah, the big top comes to <laughs> no man's land. Yeah. yeah, we're not we're not thirteen livesing this guy. He's stuck in the no, game. No, yeah. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Get out of here, Joel Edgerton. You're not wanted. <laughs> so, Patrick, what is your um number eight? Uh, number eight is a see. Um, you know, we're talking about mean films and films that uh, uh, you know, kind of push boundaries and are kind of perhaps cruel to like the <laughs> to like uh, America and the concept of the American dream and whatnot or whatever. And my film kind of follows in that those footsteps. Uh, this is a, a movie I saw that like kind of saw for the first time shook me to the core is uh, Philip Kaufman's The Wanderers. 
Back in 63, there was one kind of music. Yeah, all right, some rock and roll. One kind of love. Not yet. You know, in a couple minutes, we're gonna be naked, then what? And all kinds of gangs. If you ever need us, just whistle loud. We'll be there. I'm in love. Look at that. Teenage trouble. The terrors of their turf. Uh, released in 1979, um, it's like a film about uh, n nostalgia going sour. It is a film about uh, <laughs> the death of the American dream and the and the death of their and how the American dream has always been dead, and that at a certain point in your life. You look at your father and you realize, oh, that's going to be me. I'm just this guy. I'm going to be another iteration of this man. Unless you, like, head out of Dodge. And that's not always a bad thing, but in this movie, it's, like, a bad thing. It's <laughs> the picture they paint is not pretty. Because <laughs> it's about these kids, like, growing up in New York in, like, the early, early 60s. So it's still kind of, like, in 50s mode. You know, they're in these little, like, Warriors-esque gangs. There's no real big names in this film, like Ken Walls, like ostensibly the lead, and he's great. Uh, my personal favorite is, uh, though, is uh, Erlen Van Lip, uh, who plays a character named Terror, who is like uh, this big, he's the guy from The Running Man who is like the opera electricity villain. And he, he plays a beefy bad boy in this movie a big scary guy but he's also like weirdly erudite which i appreciate and it turns out i think that actor actually like went to mit or something so it's like it's an interesting juxtaposition of brain and bond brawn there's like a moment in this movie where um you know it's like kind of like the catalyst that was the the point where um ah, i can spoil it it's like when fucking jfk dies homie of course that's gonna be the moment where everyone realizes the american dream is rotten to the core <laughs> like any form of like good you think that can come from living here and trying to achieve something is false uh <laughs> it's and um i don't know there's just like these moments where like there's like this um scene in like a um where a, a fight breaks out at a, a sports a, a football game and it feels like fucking night of the like night of the living dead it's like groups of people fighting each other and like the 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 the, the dread i felt watching this was comparable to when i watched 2001 a space odyssey for the first time and you're in like you're floating into like the colors and you're seeing this man age and you don't know why like that's like the level of existential dread this moment this fight this brawl between these kids who at this point have realized that you know if i don't leave this town i'm either going to stay in this town and like you know amount to nothing or i can go and maybe I can achieve something, but that's probably not going to be the case. Like, everything just feels so dead-end and sad, and I love that. Uh, I also saw another movie called uh, The Bowery, which isn't on my top ten. A Raul Welsh film from uh, the early, early 30s saw it starring Wallace Beery. He's like the original guy who did Soitenly. Like, that comes from him. And... Uh, it's like a movie that's like was directed in the 30s that's nostalgic for like the gay 90s. It's like another interesting oh, exploit into like and it's so fascinating watching this movie 
It's not for everyone. Like it's a hundred. I, I, the movie starts with um a s- picture of a sign, and the sign says "N word Charlie's." That's the sign. So you watch this, and you're like, "Fucking Christ, that's crazy! Don't do that movie." But it's interesting just to watch. Like you're just seeing like what people are like nostalgic for in that time. And it's just weird how social mores have changed. And it's fascinating, like, what's chill and what's not. Like, this movie ends with everyone gleefully entering the Spanish-American War. And there's this little latchkey kid that just lives with Wallace Beery. And he's like, I'm coming too! And they're like, yeah, he's gonna help us fight the Spanish. Like, this, like, little 10-year-old's gonna help them, like, fight Cuba and Spain or whatever. It's so... It's unreal. You gotta get you gotta get a chance to program the Bowery, the Wanderers, and Paradise Alley <laughs> some night. Yes, that is like the ultimate because it is like this interesting. It's just this weird nostalgia. All these movies are weird, like nostalgia trips, and they're just super. They're fascinating, but like, yeah, Bowery. I can't put it on my top ten because that beginning is too spicy and not good. Don't approve <laughs> of it. But uh, the the Wanderers. Uh, what's cool about it is it knows that like. It kind of knows what's up. It's like hip to how uh, cruel and callous the world actually is. And I really like that in my films. So give it up for the Wanderers, folks. Have your dreams crushed in front of you. Hell yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we're trying to do here. <laughs> yeah, burn Jesse, what, what is your number eight movie? Oh, at eight. I have a movie that, with this director, I don't know why I've been putting that stuff off. Maybe because it doesn't... I, Maybe as a director, he didn't really hit hard, or I don't know. So this past year, I was deep diving into Italian crime. It's poor, everything is giallo. And I hadn't really gone back to the beginnings. And I, I started with, uh, started deep diving on Baba. And I really hadn't, I, I'd like maybe seen a couple of Baba, but not like the important ones. And uh, my pick is uh, 1964's Blood and Black Lace. A house of high fashion, a dazzling whirl of elegance, of exotic, extravagant beauties. An adventurous journey into the devastating allure of the most sophisticated women and their intimate secrets. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and black lace. (coughs) Who is this shrouded, sadistic, sordid fiend? who maims and murders. Why this bloodthirsty orgy, this holocaust of lives? Blood and black lace in bleeding color. A shattering, shivering, shocking experience. I almost want to say like Agatha Christie, like 
it's not like you know like not like a 70s it's not really sleazy it's just kind of like a cool like murder mystery yeah there's blood but it's it's not to this like it's not over glorified i don't want to say but um it takes place during a i believe it's a, a french fashion show and um it's a couture and everyone's a suspect and um it's just watching it i could see like oh this is where they got this for this movie and they took this from that you know and it's just super stylized murder mystery essentially it breaks down to and uh, it's it's glorious it's magnificent i highly recommend it and i don't know why it took me so long to watch it it's a hell of a movie i agree with you because we've been sharing um you've been sending me like screenshots and clips and so forth from Baba movies <laughs> the entire fall and I got hooked on it too because you're like you gotta get because like Dude, I kind of put him off like, I don't know I don't know why I put him off too yeah no it's like I was sleeping on Baba I was like looking at these like let like I would come like they're still not bad but like lesser tier kind of things and this is just like Dude, this is the grand fucking master of all of this. And it's just like, yeah, these guys all ripped off Baba. Like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that's where they got that. Oh, they stole it from this shot from this Baba movie. And this guy stole this from this Baba. Well, because, like, you know, especially in Italy where, like, they start with the trend. So, like, you know, Baba kind of set the president, precedent and, and, like, everyone just stole and they got diluted further down the, you know, down the line. And uh, no one, no one did it better than Baba. Mm-hmm. So they had to, they had to, you know, it was like, ah, oh, well, it's kind of movie kind of sucks. Let's just add a lot more sex, a lot more violence, a lot more gore, you know, just like, nah, Baba doesn't need those things because Baba rules. Well, nobody moved the camera as well as him that entire. Yeah, no, it's just like every, every everything seems like it, there's an intention behind it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just like, oh, we're going to be flashy for the, no, it's just like, oh. And then we're gonna peel up this and reveal that, and then like everything's just very layered, but just like it, it's just done so masterfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that one's like the one the go to. Yeah, I would say anyone looking into getting the Baba, like I know, um, is it Black Sabbath's kind of like the, mm-hmm. the entry or the you know the, the entry point? Um, I would <laughs> almost say this more than anything because I feel this one's. This almost like a straight ahead murder mystery with a shit ton of stuff. So. Well, I, th- I like um, I like he he uses color so well that oh yeah, no, like the black like, and white ones like Black Sabbath or even like Evil Eye are good, but I want to see those. Is, I want to see the, I want to see those actors in color. <laughs> like no, this is like this is incredibly vibrant. Like yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Argento, but Baba did it first. <laughs> <laughs> I resident Argento skeptic. <laughs> hey, I'm growing. My my opinion's growing, uh, especially mm-hmm. after Tenebrae. So yeah. Tenebrae is like I, I, I Tenebrae got me hooked back. Tenebrae yeah. was new to me this. Year. I didn't put him on, but like the Argento, I would have picked this year. I don't know. Sounds like you would have picked Tenebrae, but I'd never seen Inferno before this year, and I loved Inferno. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I remember it was uh, yeah. magnificent. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I yeah. 
like it's funny i almost prefer like later argento like i have respect for all of it but i prefer like if you're gonna watch argento give me later argento mm-hmm. i don't know and i, I recently watched uh was a couple months back opera for the first time yeah. that looks wild like like man you guys haven't seen opera go check it out <laughs> it is like bonkers yeah, he gets a little wilder as his career progresses. Oh, admittedly, like he's already wild from the jump, but it gets crazier. It definitely. No, does. no, no. It's just like it, it's. Well, how could I trend this scene and just make it more just like, like, like more of an explosion? How could I do? How could I overtop this without overtopping? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, and the the set piece of opera is is pretty crazy. Um, With the uh, the eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think anything with eyes. This goes back to my. I think Don, you and I watched the zombie full cheese movie, and I was just like, okay. Ever since I've seen that movie, like something with eyes, I cannot. Just like <laughs> yeah. you had me at the eyes, and we're gonna do something to them. And then, like after that, I was just like, okay, you got. Uh, I start squirming with eyes. Fulci, the world's premier sicko. <laughs> oh yeah. But everybody should love him. Well, you, um, I got to give you credit since we're here and we're talking about some of this stuff. Is um, like you turned me around on Fulci this year. Like, because yeah. I was a little down on him this year, and you were like, no, 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 my man. <laughs> like, don't. No, be. well, I went back <laughs> and pretty much watched even like some of his later stuff. One of these ones, like, I was almost tempted. Uh, for the viewers who don't know, we had like a. A Halloween kind of marathon, and I was almost tempted to throw on Murder Rock, <laughs> which I think Patrick, you would have like be like, "Well, what the fuck is going on here?" Like, it doesn't matter. There's like a murder <laughs> mystery happening at an aerobic center, and you're just like, "Fucking sold, dude!" Especially with Keith <laughs> Emerson doing soundtracks, and it's like, "Holy shit, dude!" You had me sold, Keith <laughs> Emerson, <laughs> Murder Rock, and Jazzathon shit going on. And the fucking murder weapons, like this really cool bedazzled fucking dagger, you know? It's just like, and you know how Fulgy, man, he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't like the soundtrack slaps and the shot slap and the deaths are just like, well, we could just cut here, but you know what? The audience pays good money to see the fight just go down. I think you have to like really like just lean in on that. It's like his movies are like, dream logic they're not oh, yeah. going to make sense for the most part they're going to be well, i almost yeah i almost put on one of those that, that definitely capitalized that but i didn't know if you were going to put it it was like well, I, I don't need to put it on here but yeah but the dream logic of a, yeah yeah <laughs> the fever dream of like did this really happen or it's just like but you never like answers. There's like you, ne- you never get that reward of like, oh, it was just all a dream. It's just like no, this is just like you, like falling in and out of consciousness the whole entire movie, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? His um, and then he also has a tendency of like at least once per movie to put in the grossest thing you have seen that month. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never look at snails the same way after I mean, yeah, that <laughs> one. Yeah. Just, Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, dude. He just goes all hog in, dude. He's just like yeah. Well dude, oh that's why like 
one of these days we gotta go watch we gotta watch Murder Rock because I I feel definitely as far as like the later Fulci I think it's probably his last like mm. raw like last gas. <laughs> um, but there's there's definitely like you can take away stuff from any of his movies like is like eh, some of them they're just like what the hell is going on you know it's just like there's like something in there to like keep the audience going like the pulse alive you know yeah just something. I heard him compared to being like the like even sleazier Lynch. Yeah. And I know it it sounds like a stretch to some people, but I I I'm like I don't know how, I don't know if it's as deep of a stretch as like you you would think. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like just give the people what they want. We can F's. go out, you know. We can take them to different dimensions. Those dimensions make no sense. But, you know. Well, I mean, his like. You know, the last one is like I rewatched the Beyond this year, which kind of started for me because I was like, I was a little skeptical of that one, but watching it this year was like revelatory, and I was like, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, I know you were like, you were jazzed about that. You were trying to get me to go to midnight, and I was just like, <laughs> well, because like, oh, here's the thing. I think what helped you is you recently rewatched because I think you rewatched like the the Grindhouse releasing transfer and mm-hmm. or something because I remember my. My only memory is, is like because we watched it like twenty years ago, and yeah, no, I remember like friend of mine in high school having his dad drive us to the video store, put down a deposit on the out of print laser disc, copy it to VHS, then watch it on VHS. I was just like, this movie's boring, even though it had like slashes of like brilliance. I just didn't understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Like, see, yeah. pa- see, see what you missed, Patrick, by being a little bit younger than us. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> like, this, like all, put all this legwork in, you know. It's like, <laughs> hey, you guys got it too easy, man. You just fucking. Yeah, there's a brilliant remaster. There's a brilliant remastered version of the Beyond on Shutter, right now, that you could go out and watch. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm too busy. Uh, Which I highly playing... recommend, Patrick. You should just watch it, you know, or maybe you wait until like January first, because then it might make your twenty twenty three list. But I don't know. Ooh. Watch it, the, watch it like in the middle of the night, too. Yeah. Like don't like, <laughs> and like we are like, did I? Was it any of that real? That I like? Was I asleep? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> am I dead? Am I dead? Am I? <laughs> yeah. Is it like a weird purgatory. Well, I, I don't know how much of a tangent we're allowed to go on here, but uh, one that I did revisit this year that. I hadn't seen since like high school was uh, House by the Cemetery, and I just mm-hmm. remember that movie just being like boring. And like I rewatched it, and it's like, man, this movie's fucking great. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I was, yeah. what was I thinking? Like seventeen-year-old me, like maybe I just was like, I wanted like, give me like the eighties blob or you know something like that. Yeah. But I wasn't, I wasn't ready. My feeble mind wasn't ready for like, no penetration the... of just like you gotta wait for that brain to develop. Well, yeah, like, no, accepting like, no, gross dreams. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, don't you just want to move into this house that used to be like this batshit scientist was doing all these like unnecessary surgeries, and then like the corpse start coming alive, and all this crazy shit starts happening. And yeah, uh, it's one hell of a another one. I highly recommend people seek out. Yeah, that's a nice run there of wreck of Italian horror wrecks that we just yeah. oh, man. <laughs> we're like in Europe yeah, oh, baby and then, and then okay one last one and then from the <laughs> Avengers song uh, the taste of honey 
Um, no, sorry, the Devil's Honey. Is that what's called? Mm-hmm. That? What's the one I'm talking about? Is that like his erotic one? Yeah. Quote unquote erotic. <laughs> well, it's just um, as erotic as it that can get. The Devil's Honey. Okay, that's what it is. Oh. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it is it's just batshit crazy. It's wild. It's like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> like, it's so stylized. It's not pornography, but it's like on the cusp of being like pornography. But it's, I don't know. There's some crazy shit going on in that movie. But nice. Only for the adventuresome. Nice, nice. And yeah. Blood and Black Lace, so you don't have to be as adventurous for that one. No, yeah, that, nice. that baby steps. That's it's kind yeah, of a baby steps. Black Lace. Exactly. If you're thirsty for more just chaos, yeah. There's a lot for, there's a way further you can take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll try to sneak it in between episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm watching the antics of Squidward Tentacles and need a break, you know, I'll I'll throw in I'll throw in I'll throw in the devil's honey, mix it up a bit. <laughs> um my number eight movie was when I watched like two days ago. Oh, hell yeah. And it absolutely rocked me. So Metrograph Films in New York is a uh, movie theater that does a lot of cool independent showcases, revival stuff, that kind of thing. Um, They also, though, for folks who do not live in New York, have a streaming service, which Mm -hmm. they put up stuff throughout the month. It's $5 a month if you can afford it. It's actually some really worthwhile stuff, and they have their own distribution label, Metrograph Films. They have really cool movies, like probably the 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 main event movie that they have is they have the rights currently to Zulowski's film Possession, which if you haven't seen Possession, check it out. Um, you've probably heard about it if you're interested in horror movies and interested in some of the craziest movies ever made. Sam Neill, um, right? Yes, yes. And uh, they just got the rights to the 2001 Taiwanese film Millennium Mambo from Hu Xiaoxin is the director. (laughs) (laughs)
This was awesome. I had never seen it before. It is so good. And if you are a fan of One Car Y, yeah. we have found a new movie to add to your stack of movies to check out. Um, it had it so it has this like this very distinct kind of um, it 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 relies on a techno soundtrack mm. of the era and it um so it has this pulsating feel that you got from movies like the Wong Kar Wai movies but also movies like Danny Boyle's movies or even Sofia Coppola's movies right. of that era and it's about the young people in Taipei in 2001 it's, it starts off with a voiceover narration of this took place 10 years ago this is the story of this young woman and it's this and the same guy who shot not the the guy who is not Christopher Doyle, who shot in the mood for love, shot this movie. <laughs> not Christopher Doyle. Uh, the other the, the other guy who worked yeah. with Christopher Doyle. Jesse, do you know his name? Uh, is it Mark Lee Ping Bing? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. He he shot the movie and it opens with this tech this pulsing techno score. This beautiful young woman heading out into the night in the nightlife, and it's like a slow motion shot, dreamily following her. She's kind of like looking back our way, and I was just like, "Oh man, this movie is going to be a banger." There are like slow motion shots of her like coming out the sunroof of a car, like celebrating. There's all these like dance, like club sequences. There's these mm. like dark neon dark neon shots and clubs and sex scenes and fights and boozing it up and drug use. And you're just like, cool. Mm-hmm. This is cool. <laughs> this is cool. Oui, oui, magnifique. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It just has such a great vibe. It's so hip. And I just couldn't believe it. Cause it was like, this was just sitting here. Another one, another like ultra hip, stylish, the lead actress was so good that she got cast in the Transporter movie as Jason Statham's love interest later on, if oh I'm not God. mistaken. Like, and it's and this director, um, you know, I've heard him for years. It's my first home, uh, home movie, and I want to see all of them now. And but this one. Uh, he did a lot of like period pieces and he, historical movies about Taiwan and that kind of thing, which I'm sure are excellent. Mm. But man, just capturing the feeling of like the early 2000s and like that electronica music in the and the woozy neons and going out and the basic storylines about this young woman. She's like a hostess at a bar. Her boyfriend is a fucking loser, abusive <laughs> wannabe DJ. Ugh, and the worst type she can't, of human. She, she can't get rid of him. And he sucks. And he's always like almost getting arrested. He's like checking her cell phone to see who she's called. Like just, you know, those kind like that kind of guy. And then she meets a guy at the bar she works at who is this like older guy. He's very suave. He's very caring. Guess what else he is? A gangster. 
and oh, she no. has to deal with that and she's like traveling around but she's like aimless and it's like all this kind of situation kind of sucks and she's clearly smart and could do better but she doesn't really care like and if all that sounded like a movie you're interested in it lives up to all of it like it's so hip and cool jesse i don't know if you've seen this one millennium mambo well, it's funny you brought this up because I had first seen this when I first moved to LA in like circa 2006 because I had recently seen Talking Express mm-hmm. and that like blew my mind. Like that was like, yeah, holy shit, this is this is fucking cinema. This other shit I've been watching, but this ain't fucking. This <laughs> yeah. is fucking cinema. Like I was just dazed. I watched that movie like twice in a row, and I was just like, holy shit. Well. Who's the DP? Oh, okay. And then like so, and then watch it in the mood and kind of like that did the whole entire one car why like through VHS, DVD. Uh, I was working at a video store at the time, so I had access to a lot. And Millennium Mambo was one of the few movies they actually had. Uh, I think it came out like 2001, right? And mm-hmm. um, I was just memorized, just as Don was talking about, just dazzled by this movie. It's just. It has this like coat of neon everywhere, and it's just it's just so gorgeous. It almost feels like it was shot by Christopher Doyle, but it's not <laughs> Christopher Doyle. Well, because like didn't they co like mm-hmm. direct the photography of In the Mood for Love? So you can't really tell where the scenes are in that movie. So it almost seems like well, we don't really need Christopher Doyle. We can just add yeah. friend thing, you know. <laughs> we don't like, have to deal with the drunk Australian guy, <laughs> like. It's yeah, like the... it's just crazy. Yeah, uh, this movie, I definitely, and it's not, I remember it kind of being slow, but I actually watched, rewatched it a couple of days ago because uh, it popped up because I guess there's a new like Blu-ray transfer of it. And yeah, that's what I was I'm, just, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad this is getting like, this is like one of those films that should just be like seen fucking everywhere. Like, I'm glad that that's coming back out. Um, what was the... Uh, there was a couple other ones that that like it was like nineties late late nineties mid two thousands like Asian cinema like really important movies that are just like wow these lost but guess what they're still with us so I'm happy to see that you checked it out because uh, a feast for the eyes yeah I loved it it was such a great vibe the entire movie and again like this metro service that it's it's apparently is going to come out on Blu ray through Kino at some point soon but um it's on metrograph right now to stream if you pay five bucks a month and there's like the early joanna hogg movies on there there's like some uh more recent Godard movies on there there's some um and then the entire metrograph possession if you haven't seen possession yeah, everyone go see possession now's the time go see it <laughs> yeah, no, go see it. Go see every every movie that Dylan was ever directed. It's you will not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, Millennium Mumbo, um, number nine. What do you got, Patrick? We're almost there, everybody. <laughs> We're almost there. It's uh, it's one a.m. where I'm at. I'm chugging. I'm living. <laughs> oh man, and it's uh, yeah, I living can't the wait. Dream. Oh, La Dolce Vita, baby, La Dolce Pod. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's italian for uh, the sweet pod <laughs> but uh uh I, millennium mambo i really want to see it just sounds like another movie that captures like a moment in history that will be forgotten one day without such a film and 
Yeah, and also in my head, and I know this is like totally wrong. I'm just imagining like, what if like that first scene in Blade, arguably the best part of Blade, was just a whole movie, and I'm just excited to see that. Way more like um, like narcotic drugs, less blood and less vampire blood. violence. But it's yeah. if uh, yeah, if uh, if ecstasy yeah. rained from the sky instead of uh, delicious yeah. blood. Uh, uh, my next movie is uh, a movie I had to see because uh, I saw it live and die in LA last year. I saw Serpico last year. I had to bite this like dirty cop bug. I needed I needed more of this uh, juice in my life. And this is like the the father of all these type of movies. This is like a long a movie like almost as long as Avatar: The Way of Water. It was just insane, but instead of it about being about being about our friends, uh, you know, the Jake Sully and uh, the Navi, this is a movie about a uh, what if Serpico uh, happened to a what if you tried to do a Serpico with just a normal cop? That's basically what this movie <laughs> posits, just like an average Joe who was just totally down with the. Uh, you know, taking the taking the money from the baddies, and you know, one of the, what if one of the guys that shot Serpico in the head <laughs> tried to like bring down the rest of the force? This movie is Prince of the City. His name is Detective Danny Jello. We make cases; there'll be big ones. You'll be the state star witness. He sees life as we will never see it. If I decide to do this thing, I will not give up my partners. He is Prince of the City. Detective Daniel Cello, Special Investigating Unit, Narcotics Division, Your Honor. Is it common practice to sell narcotics in the Narcotics Division? We're not dope dealers, we're policemen. He's seen too much. Was Moscone a partner? He's a friend. He's federal level. I want him. He knows too much. Your people are out to get you worse than anybody on our side. He said too much. In their hearts, they want to admit their guilt. That's the way cops are. That's how you got here. He's gone too far to stop. Wait a minute, I'm a cop! Come on up! Look at him! Treat Williams is Prince of the City. Sidney Lumet, Treat Williams, 1981. Who's your favorite, Jesse? <laughs> it's just so, it's so fucking good. It's so, I watched this on the plane. Flying here, uh, awkward to watch it on your iPhone. iPhone squished. My sister's dog is barking next to me in the seat, uh, but I still—it was just as fun watching it on my dumb, dumpy ass iPhone on a plane in the worst scenario than it was watching it on in a theater. It's just—it's such a frenetic film, and it just like there's no other movie that has as many weird mugs. Like, this is just the movie with, like, the weirdest... Like, Jerry Orbach is probably the most attractive person in this movie. <laughs> and that is, like, with the exception of Treat Williams. It's just... It's incredible. And it's just... It never lets up. It's so... It's so unhinged. It's such a beautiful unhinged... Treat Williams is a total freak. The first, like, 30 minutes of this movie, you see a guy... Like, you, you, you have to see... He's, like, getting drugs for his, uh... His fucking, uh his fucking like snitch or whatever and it's so harrowing and unnerving and then like a few minutes later he's like arguing with his like brother at a fucking barbecue like nothing happened it's just yeah i don't know i love this movie it's an incredible watch 
Okay, I have a, a, a slightly checkered past with this movie. I would love this movie. And maybe it's just I need to give it more time, but I would love this movie if Free Williams' character was a different, if, if he had been replaced by a different actor. Because I, I don't know, like, Tree Williams, for some odd reason in that role, I, like, I'm not sold on him, like, whatsoever. That's, like, that's, I've gone that's back, fair. and I'm just like, that's, like, the only thing. Otherwise, I'm sold on everybody else. And all the other characters in the movie, I'm sold on the movie, except for Treat Williams, who I just think is just, like, some <laughs> dum-dum. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> You're the fucking, like, come on. Like, you fucking god. Three fucking Williams substitute two is the fucking <laughs> prince of the goddamn city. I don't think so. Man. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I just need to give it time because I've been no, no, no. I, I see where you're and like I love. It. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I don't disagree with you necessarily. My here's my argument for treat. Uh, he is just some dum dum. The movie is like I think you need like a dum dum. To be in that role. I think you need just a total fucking lummox mook. Couldn't fucking fight his way out of a paper bag. Uh, you know, looks his, he'll look up in the sky, drown like a turkey, and when it rains, you need that, like, you need that level of, like, I think you need, like, someone who, like, is, like, the opposite of that Serpico complexity. Let erudite, like, yeah, because you look at Serp, you look at Treat Williams, he's not fucking singing opera. <laughs> he's not, he's not the cool guy at the party. He's a fucking asshole at a barbecue. He's like fucking, um, who's the guy who plays the Punisher in the Marvel, the Joe, um, who was in that new uh, HBO series? The Joe, John Bernthal? Yeah, he's like John Bernthal in fucking that like HBO. Oh, he's incredible, but it's yeah. like that. He like it's he's like John Bernthal in that. Like, what's great about John Bernthal in that? Like HBO, uh, the most recent David Simon, uh, uh, not show me a hero. Uh, like the the city sucks. Whatever the fuck it's called, Baltimore's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Baltimore's not great right now. We're not doing too hot. <laughs> like he plays he plays this absolute fucking like insane dum dum in that movie, and it's like just like with a. It, bizarre baltimore drawl and i think that like uh you need that energy and i think treat williams provides it he's just also so unhinged i love how like it's not like great acting but like the fact that he just like is so easily he's just gonna scream at everything everyone does at all times i kind of love that about like his character is just a a lunatic i don't know i think i i i I, I, but i understand too that like there's like a vanilla-ness to treat williams and there's a like a not great acting Mr. Treat Williams. He's not like he's not gonna he doesn't like pop in the way that some other actors would probably pop in that role. But I think that adds yeah. to the yeah. He's just he's a hamburger. And it's just like that's like you need a hamburger in that role, I think. I don't know. Like a dumb fucking hamburger of a man. <laughs> or else it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I completely agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like I think that was like his only like really great like you were like okay here's your chance to fucking shine and he just fucking <laughs> completely shat the bed. Uh, <laughs> That's fair, but I think it's I think the shit no, shitting is good. Him, like here's the thing. Yeah, no, I'm not shitting on the movie. I'm just shitting no. on Treat Williams' performance That's in fair. the City because I think City Lament is just well. Here's another thing too. I don't know if you've seen it. So going back with more like City Lament's like. 
like not obsession but curiosity with crooked cop uh yeah so 1990s q and a where you get a unhinged corrupt cop played by the notorious nick nolte you got timothy <laughs> hutton uh mm-hmm. i would say that'd be almost like a really kind of like good pairing with that because you're like mm-hmm. What if we would miss, you know, replace this and then, like, well, you could have gotten this instead. Like, I almost feel like, well, three kind of shit this. Was it a success when it first came out? Or was it, because I, I know it was kind of like one of those ones where it was just like, we're waiting if it had never been out in DVD. I think it's even like a Warner Archive. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, it, it was a flop. It was a fl- I got nominated for an Oscar for Best Screenplay, but it was like a flop when it came out. It didn't, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't, re- it didn't recoup its budget. Which was Brian only De Palma like eight million dollars. Direct it too, Brian De Palma. It got well, it go. got uh, stolen from our boy Brian. Oof. Oh, didn't he get to Oof. do the Untouchables instead? Right? Or did, did so, he do No, he he had a hit instead. It was a hit. It was not Raising Cane, which we I love Raising Cane. Don't get me wrong. I, I love all the Palmas. <laughs> yeah, you can do no wrong. You're right, man, Brian. <laughs> I would be an interesting. It'd be a totally different movie, but I would love it. It'd be good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's his movies are just movie ass movies. And don't get me wrong, Choices of the City is definitely worth seeing. I was just, I don't know, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, I wasn't really? convinced by Treat at all. But for all the viewers out in the land of waves radio, um, wherever this <laughs> yeah. broadcast, Prince of the City is worth checking out. If yeah. You're, into good movies and the city on the mat is just a no-brainer just go watch yeah and it's yeah and i will say too it is weird that like treat williams is playing like a weird like like he's like the most un-italian man in the world and he's playing like <laughs> uh, i'm i'm from the city <laughs> it's like now you're the marinara doesn't run in your veins sir that's fucking ketchup go back to fucking you know toledo ohio or whatever yeah. fucking yeah, you're, you're 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 from connecticut man yeah <laughs> yeah you're you're eating that weird altoona pizza with like the piece of like uh processed cheese on it and the the bit of bell pepper get out of here <laughs> yeah, you're not walking here. You're not walking. No. Yeah, you're in the city. You can be dead in a day on the street. Come on, yeah. street. That, yeah. that being so said, it's, it's a, it is a really good movie, though. Like yeah. in general, it is a really I good love movie. It. I agree. Oh, it is. Yeah, it totally is. I'm not denying it because it's sitting on that, and you know, in my mind too, he's like one of those guys who's gonna do it wrong. Like, he's like, yeah. I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it. You know. Even his weird movies are worthwhile. Uh, what do you have at number nine, Jesse? Uh, so going back to my twisted turn down the wonderful <laughs> road of Giallo, uh, I have 1975's Suspicious Death of a Minor, directed by the magnificent Sergio Martino. chiamava la ragazza uccisa nella pensione. Ma che ragazza? Nome, cognome, motivo dell'uccisione della ragazza. Marisa Pesce, motivo sconosciuto. Ah. Avanti, parla! Ma, ma, ma che razza di bastardo sei? Razza di Stato. Germi fa parte di una squadra speciale di polizia che svolge indagini non ufficiali sui sequestri di persone. 
Ma non è legale. E allora cosa dovremmo fare? Girarci i pollici mentre la gente viene rapita per la strada? This was one where it's just like, I feel it was like marketed in the Java, but I almost feel it's like, it's kind of this like gray area where it's like, it's part Java, it's part like pop, it's kind of like part comedy. It's got like everything you want. It's, um, it's about this police detective who's kind of dirty, but still is like on the side of like trying to do good in this neighborhood. And, um, It's like miners keep on mysteriously dying or disappearing and showing up dead. And there's this unarmed, you know, unmasked killer going around everywhere, this kind of slaughtering all these girls. And this gentleman's on there on his tail the whole time. And uh, I definitely would highly recommend checking this out if the folks out there are interested. That's one. Uh... John, I think you. This is my. This might scratch your itch because it, it definitely. I want is. to. I want to. Yeah, because like, I know it, it slaps like a hard, you know, like late seventies gallows. It's got a, you know, it's got the the good violence. It's got the gore. It's got the cool soundtrack. It's got the hip camera moves. Um, but then it's got like cool action pieces in there, and it's got like a comedic element. But you don't really see a lot of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Slightly light in parts. I guess kind of to break it up, um, but I would highly recommend it. It's super stylish and uh, worth watching. I gotta say, I gotta see that one. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I love Martino, and uh, I think you even let me borrow your copy you rented from Videotech, and I didn't get around <laughs> to it. Well, you should make it a priority of 2023 to go check it out. <sighs> I got too many priorities. Your guys' lists are kicking ass. No, no. Well, how about how about this? I think we should just do a pack. Like, okay, there at least needs to be one recommendation from each of us, and we have to promise to at least watch it. Yeah. You know, first yeah, quarter I'm of 2023. I'm okay with that. You know, I can I can make. For quarter of 2023. <laughs> Come on, guys. No, just what are we doing here? We're not splitting the atom. Yeah. Come on. Those yeah. jobs aren't important at all. <laughs> We're not um, a bunch of Oppenheimers. Yeah. I, that, that one might be the one I pick from you, Jesse, I think. The suspicious well, death. I definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, my number nine was Writing Wrongs, which we already talked about. So we can jump ahead to the Patrick. You're number 10. Oh, man, my final one. Uh, and there, you know, so many great movies. Uh, like, Don, every time I go to your house and, like, see, like, five films, there are five films I've never seen that I can now, like, lord over my friends that, like, yeah, I saw, like, a movie where Mickey Rooney played an evil Santa that was actually, like, a disguise for a, a robot <laughs> evil Pinocchio. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> what have you done with your oh, life? Dude, oh, you got a... Oh, it's a king. Yeah, like I've saw. Yeah, I've seen. How many movies have you seen with Robert Zadar, sir? Oh, two. Oh, you just saw <laughs> fucking the original Maniac Cop, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know, like uh, some other movie with Robert Zadar that I can't. Uh, Tango and Cash. Get the fuck out of here. Dog shit. Call me when you've seen Maniac Cop too. But uh, <laughs> oh, man, there's just been yeah, it's just been a great. And uh, I've seen like. I'm at 198 right now. I'm going to get to over 200 before the end of the year. 
of new movies I've seen. I'm not including, uh, I guess it's over 200 if I include like stuff we watch for the podcast, because for some dumb reason, I don't like include that in my mm-hmm. uh, my ranking or whatever. Uh, but uh, not as much as you, but still like just a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Of, and I'm going to try to do a movie a year in 2023. We'll see how that goes. Um, it rules uh, seeing all these films. And I'm lucky to see so many good ones like Love and Anarchy was really good. The Invitation. I saw that for the first time. Blew my mind. A lot of incredible films that uh, I saw. But the one I want to like uh, single out um, that uh, I just really, really vibed with. And I rewatched some of it this morning just to kind of be like, oh, is this the one I want to put on my list? Oh, yeah, it's the one I want to put on my list is uh, uh, Spike Lee's Girl Six. In She's Gotta Have It, Jungle Fever, and Malcolm X, director Spike Lee got in your face. Now he's going to get in your ear. You've just reached the hottest live talk line around. Acting is about feelings. The only reason. The only reason I take a Somebody's got to hire me, huh? I hope so. Greatest romantic african-american film ever made directed by me of course <laughs> person we're looking for needs to ooh sexuality did you have a button your blouse no nope, nope you walked out on qt the hottest director in hollywood sharon stone spread her- that's the business honey bunch i got to eat and i got to pay my rent i hear this is a place where a girl can make lots of cash you're an actress how are you acting you're not on stage you're not in front of the camera i'm girl 39 oh, oh my god i'm gonna explode yeah good i'm girl 29 zone i look pretty with my long blonde hair and big blue eyes don't my feet look pretty no inhibitions no taboos. My best features are my big. <laughs> Bitch. You like that, Mr. Joe Schlebuckman? Dude. What do you do to your ex? You got that guy crazy. He wants to get back with you. Ooh. I didn't know you were such a freak. <laughs> I always was. You just never brought it out mm. anymore. Pilot called you from his cockpit. Dag, no wonder the plane's been falling out of the sky, left and right. <laughs> Teresa Randall. I'm gonna hop on the plane and go to Hollywood and live out my dreams. What are you gonna do? You're gonna collect autographs and take the next person that moves into my building and make them pay your rent. Spike Lee. Jimmy no Levy! Jimmy no Levy! Isaiah Washington. Ha-hoo. I'm gonna miss you, Judy. Judy. I always did like when you called me that. Jennifer Lewis. Debbie Mazur. Peter Burke. Naomi Campbell. Ron Silver. Quentin Barry, Tarantino. John Turturro. With songs by Prince. Girl Six. She's the only thing better than being there. Which is like, dude. Like Spike Lee, he had this like run. And like after in the late 90s from like Malcolm X to Crooklyn, to Crocker, uh, Crockers, uh, Clockers, to Girl 6. I don't know what Crockers would be. That's like a sequel to Alligator. A bunch of crocodiles. <laughs> and only one person can uh, chase those crocodiles, and it's Thomas Jefferson Bird, I guess. I don't know. Whoever's in the likely coterie. Sam and John Turturro. Uh, uh, Girl 6, get on the bus. He, he got game. Summer of Sam, Bamboozled, 25th Hour. Like, those are all just, like, bangers. And I just, uh, and I watched Clockers last year, and that was, like, one of my favorite. It's, like, one of those movies where you watch it, and you're, like, why don't more people, like, talk about this, like, on par with, like, you know, 
comparable like epics of that time, like crime epics. Um, uh, I watched Girl Six for the first time, maybe like and during the summer. I want to say maybe a little earlier. Rewatched it again. Has like the one of the best like uh casting. Uh, audition scenes in a film usually those type of things annoy me like scenes where like people are trying out for movies um but this one has like a quentin tarantino as the guy who's doing the audition Teresa randall plays the titular girl six aka judy um it's like a very uh funny well done semi-sleazy scene that uh, I feel like Quentin Tarantino's kind of in on the joke a little bit. It's razzing him a little bit, but it also kind of razzes Spike Lee himself, the whole thing. It razzes the whole process. Teresa Randall's character uh, is just, like, overworked. She's looking for, like, you know, she's uh, trying to get acting gigs. She's kind of struggling, uh, too. She's, like, working, like, three different jobs. Uh, something has to give. Eventually, she, like finds a more stable form of employment at a like sex slot, a sex phone hotline center uh, where what's cool about this movie is this movie. Like we usually talk about like movies with our guys or whatever. Like, Oh, this movie has a bunch of great guys. This movie has like a bunch of great gals. Like the people that work at the sex phone hotline, fucking Gretchen mole, Naomi Campbell, Deborah Wilson from mad TV, Debbie Mazar, Jennifer Lewis is the boss. It's just like peak, like cool ladies of that era. And like, and it's like interesting people like Debbie Mazar fucking slaps. It's such a bummer that you don't see her in a lot of stuff anymore. Same with Gretchen Mole. She's incredible. Um, I think like what I love about this movie is it just captured. Like, it's just like, so I think Spike Lee like always goes all out, whatever he does. And he's, willing just to throw like very weird shit at the wall whether it sticks or not um the way that they film like the sex phone interactions are super fascinating like whenever they film like whenever you're you know looking at Teresa randall she like looks pristine and beautiful or whatever but then like when they go to the guys it always looks like it's some dude like filming him from a corner with a vhs camcorder and it's really like kind of like fitting and adds to like the steamy sleaziness of everything uh Richard Belzer has like a great uh as great as one of these sex phone guys where like uh, he's calling uh Teresa Randall and like you know asking her to do these very lurid lurid things to him while like his he's on like his he's at his beach house and his son is like just like his baby son is like playing in the sand. It's like fucking that part in under the skin where that check guy gets taken by the alien and the baby's left in the fucking beach. And he's like doing that because he's horny, basically like leaving this kid like to his own devices. Uh, yeah, it's just, there's a lot going on. It has one of the best John Turturro looks look up like John Turturro, Murray, the agent girl six on Google. And like take a, and it's like, it's the weirdest he's ever looked. It's weirder than Jesus. And <laughs> Big he looks insane I'm right now. It looks magnificent. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> I wish he dressed like that all the time. He looks like a freak. Yeah. Um, uh, like there's so many good, like, I think the thing about Spike Lee too, is that he just like populates his, movies with like interesting character actors and like every it's like quentin tarantino or other or diehard where like every side character who could be boring is actually like really interesting and it feels like if you're an actor in one of these movies if you're like an actor in girl six like you get to choose so much scenery and get to be like so weird and over the top 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a treat of a movie. It's worth watching. It's like, and it's one of those ones that like, um, you just don't uh, hear about it compared to his other movies for whatever reason. I think, I think at the time it just wasn't like well received, and it's slowly starting to get like um, some recognition. It's finally people are starting to kind of get hip to it. So be hip to it before everyone else is good. For, also, like Teresa <laughs> Randall's fucking it's it's a bummer because you look at Academy her, Academy favorite. Yeah, she's an honorary member, and like she gets like so many of her movies, like she's like fucking like Miss Michael Jordan in Space Jam. That's like what she's gonna be like, and it's such a fucking it's so evil that that's like the thing that she'll probably be most like she should be remembered um, for this. She's Martin. She's Martin Lawrence's wife in the Bad Boys movies. <laughs> yes, she's like stuck in wife hell. Get her out of wife hell. Yeah. Like hashtag. Put her, no. Get her back with um. Chris Chris Walken and King of New York is his hitter. Yes, that's, exactly. That's, the, that's where we want to see her. <laughs> exactly. More like yeah, have her be in Passenger Fifty Seven, like you know that Elizabeth Hurley type roles. Yeah. Well, that's one of the few spikes I actually haven't seen, so I oh, definitely dude. want to add that to my list. It's really fucking yeah, no, good. You should watch it. Definitely on my list too. Yeah, I, I want to check it out. Yeah, no, I, I'm happy to hear that people are still watching Clockers because that one's like. I really feel that one's like almost as underseen as Girl Six. Yeah, I would I say never so. Hear people talk about because Cl- Clockers is awesome soundtrack. It's, it's. I don't know, man. It's, oh, I, on the subject of the soundtrack, that's so good, man. Oh, for Thanks. sure, and 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 on the subject of the soundtrack too, I totally forgot that like, uh, the set the music is by Prince, and it's just all bangers. The soundtrack is just Prince banger after Prince banger. And it's just the best. It is like one of the best. It is like I think it is like my favorite soundtrack I've seen in a movie all year. Like it is just because Prince is so fucking good, and I feel like I rarely, I didn't grow up listening to his music that much because it was never on the radio. I felt like, or like it was just never, um, or it wasn't. Not that it wasn't on the radio. It was just never on. Uh, you couldn't get it on iTunes. You couldn't get it like online super easily because of uh right stuff or whatever and so like uh it's just cool listening to like just a shit ton of his music yeah no clockers is like no there's like i think like the thing i appreciate about spike lee is like even when he like fucks up or not fucks up that's a super harsh he doesn't really fuck it even when like jungle fever right that's like a movie that was kind of like the ending's a little rough there's like moments that don't work but he's just trying so many cool things and his, like his personality is like so like clearly in the film and it's so much like a labor. It's like when you said about Heartbreakers where it's like, yeah, all of his films feel like a labor of love and feel so fully realized that even when like it doesn't work entirely, you can't help but be on board because it's like someone, yeah, with, a fucking, someone with a vision, someone who actually gives a yeah, shit. No, he's committed, committed to the idea, to the, to the, Part of sudden it's like I'm going all in on this, you know. It's like yes. is like I'm gonna stick up for this. I'm gonna see its completion. You know, maybe it doesn't end up to be what I originally went out to make or whatever. But he's going for it, and you know, and it wasn't like <laughs> let's write a script by committee kind of movie. Yeah, <laughs> that is a breath of fresh air in this day and age. So, for sure. Good pick, Pat. Good picks, Patrick. Um. Jesse, number 10. Yeah, there's so many. I guess it's on the top 20. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to end on, boys, because there is so much goodness. I don't know if I want to do horror or 
whatnot. But I think I'm actually gonna end with 1995's Abel Ferreira's The Addiction. Look at me and tell me to go away. Don't ask. Tell me. Please. You think that's gonna stop me? You can never get enough, can you? But you learn to control it. You learn, like the Tibetans, to survive on a little. And this is really cool because I know you guys are, you guys are doing able on the podcast. Did any of you guys get a chance to see this? No. His uh, vampire black and white movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, Lily Tomlin. Taylor, sorry, Lily Taylor, not Tomlin. Uh, Christopher Walken. Um, it's just kind of cool. It's like almost like, I want to say like a dreamy, but still got the scuzziness of Ferrer, which we all love. Here, I, I'm assuming, and uh, oh, I love some scares. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This Absolutely. Like, really, she's like not pre med, but she's like, I think she's like a graduate student. She's finishing up at NYU, and then one night she gets attacked by this vampire or this woman, and it's like shot like a noir, um, but it plays out like melodrama. Christopher Walken like the head of the vampires, and I just think you guys should check it out because. Is wild and it's beautifully shot, and it's Abel Ferreira, and you know that guy that makes funky movies. So I definitely think you should check him out. Yeah, that's high on my list too. That that might have top suspicion of death of a minor for ones I want to yeah, see like, off your list. Blue, okay, so they've got an arrow blue ton of features. Um, just just go watch it. I I think because I. I, I kind of went back. I think when you guys were doing your episode on Ferrera, and I kind of wanted to see because, like, a lot of his movies, like, you can't find a fucking blue uh, Fear City. Um, the funeral, the funeral is movies. just missing in action available. entirely. Yeah, you you got you got a reboot or bootleg. I think, I think, uh, I think Videotech is like a bootleg of Miss Forty Five. They um, they got like super deluxe version Driller Killer. I oh, think he got his like his uh his his porn up movie directed yeah. in like under a pseudonym in like the seventies. Oh then, my like, god! You got Tommaso, and then you got like a DVD of King in New York, and then like that's it. Like Tommaso. Oh, yeah, as long man, as they got, as long as they have Tommaso. Oh man, Dude, our boy Tommaso. Yeah, man, I feel like I feel like Abel needs more more love in this world. Put him in the so. Criterion Collection. Come on. Have some yeah, guts. dude, the addiction is like arty enough, dude, because it's it's definitely just more of a talking movie. It's not like it, it's like a existential like, vampire movie. It's not like oh, I'm just biting people and killing people and like you know strip clubs or some shit like that that you would expect for like a, a able movie. It's just like 
this girl like conflicted between like, well, do I fully try to do it or not? You know, yeah. saying, like, oh, these, like all this, you know, um, I, I just, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really cool movie. It's visually really stunning. And, like, and it's got that like really greasy camera work that you come to love from Ferreira. Um, and I definitely feel it's just an underseen movie that definitely needs more light shine on it. So that's my pick for number 10. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. Uh, my number 10 is actually my number one discovery of the year. Yeah. Oddly enough, this is how it worked alphabetically. It is 1979's oui, oui, magnifique. Siri Noir. Jesse's heard me rave about this the entire year. Um, this is a French crime movie starring Patrick Duar as an act as a character named Franck Poupard, who is a door-to-door salesman oh, who no. um, ha- ha- lives in a shitty rundown apartment and has a depressed wife who hates him. He is looking <laughs> for a man who owes him money and calls on depre- decrepit house of an old woman. Um, and in, and she says that, uh, she can't pay him, but she can certainly, but he can certainly have sex with her underage niece, Mona, which he is interested in. He ends up holding back on it, but he falls in love on the spot and decides he needs to get theories of worse decisions for Vrunk follow. Oh no. It is as grim and dark and crazed as it gets the safties have to have seen this movie because this is like right up their alley of a just singular insane wild man leading character just going deeper and deeper and deeper oh. in, yeah into a hole on an epic dig quest out of- into an, a hole he can barely dig out of if at all um <laughs> It's it opens with him putting on a 
pop standard in some decrepit, disgusting, rainy parking lot, and just doing a dance on his own over the credits to sh- kind of show where his mind is. Oh, no, that's and, not good. That's not a which good is in the tra- Which is in the trailer, and it's absolutely, like, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is everything I want out of a movie. Just, like, this, like, singular, dialed-in, focused character. And it's inhabited in a performance that is so committed, so intense, so wildly unhinged by Patrick DeWare. Mm-hmm. Patrick DeWare is an actor who was born in the late 40s, so he'd be in his 70s um, if he was around. He ended up, though, a couple of years after this movie came out, um, committing suicide. He was about 40 years old. Uh, He came up with Gerard Depardieu, and they are in a. And I, after I saw Siri Noir, um, he became an actor who I was like, I want to see everything. I want to see everything. And there's like a Young Actor Award in France that's named after him. He's kind of like has this Heath Ledger, James Dean kind of status apparently in France of like this like lost um possibly the greatest actor who was lost oh no you know, way too early in the same vein that we have a lot of those kind of actors in the united states um right. and so i've just been trying to tr- his some of them are harder to find than others um but you know the two that really stuck out are um that i've watched otherwise were get out your handkerchiefs and going places and going places is the one both those ones were huge influences on Bobby Roth and Heartbreakers to get back to what I was saying that I was going to bring up something um and they are both about Gerard Depardieu and Patrick Duer who they came up together they were like partners in acting and like in in all sorts of ways they're just like they did theater together and then they were cast together in a bunch of things and um going places in particular um would have made this list if siri noir wasn't in the spot because i like siri noir more but going places probably has the worst behavior by two people two characters that i've ever in any movie (laughs) like these are deranged depraved monstrous men and for adventurous viewers out there you might find it very and compelling and intriguing movie a lot of you will be deeply and utterly offended and angry with the movie but for the adventurous sorts who are like wow i can't believe this exists I want to know about it. Um, <laughs> this could make you very excited. Uh, Sean Baker is a huge Going Places fan, and you could see a lot of it in Red Rocket as well. Oh, I can imagine so, um, for sure. Because the Simon Rex's character in Red Rocket also behaves in this kind of way. <laughs> yeah, he is a and, deranged freak. <laughs> that, uh, and, yeah. But... Patrick DeWare in particular, because Gerard Depardieu, you know, we know him. Yeah. He's big, blustery, intense. DeWare is wiry and smaller and a little more internalized mm. than Depardieu. So there's this give and take. We don't know who the dangerous one is 
out of the two of them. And knowing what happened and knowing kind of his personal history, like by the time he gets to Siri Noir, he's balding, he's older than he was in these early younger movies, Ooh. and he is at wit's end. And he just he, he's so sweaty and so crazed. I've never seen anything like it. It's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I know the type herbally, but it. That's why it's here. It, like, it's not an easy watch. Like I said, he gets propositioned by an underage woman and he's kind of into it. Like, he's not good. But no. he's, is he interesting? Is he thrilling? Abs- yeah, 1000%. And I love this one. I love this movie. I watched it on movie originally, but now I own the Blu ray. Because, like, I loved this movie. And it's based on a Jim Thompson novel. If you've read it, ever read Jim Thompson. You know, oh, it's, God. It's a Jim. Yeah, that's. That guy's a not tough. a. Yeah, but it's good. It's He's, he's like. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he's staring into the abyss. He is truly one of those. You know. Exactly. Like, and. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't recommend it more. I loved it. Um, so I'm that's sold. it. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, that is it. That's oh our top God. tens. Let's be quick because it's been three hours rundown. Real quickly, name your top ten. Patrick, you okay. go first. We can remind the listeners in case they need these names again. Yeah. The Mask of Demetrios. Hobson's Choice. The Mountain. Revenge. Blaze Pascal. <laughs> World on a Wire. Musical Guest. Paradise Alley. The Wanderers. <laughs> Prince of the City and Girl Six. <laughs> Nice. Jesse, what was your 10? I don't remember my order. I don't have it written down, but Brigade of Death, Big Guns, Blood and Black Lace, The Addiction, The Italian Connection, Writing Wrongs, Suspicious Death of a Minor, and God, to, God Sent the King, Alligator, and I think, oh, and Rolling Thunder. We could bring Rolling Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> And my 10 was After the Thin Man, Big Wednesday, Les Bon Femmes, Design for Living, The Green Ray, Heartbreakers, Kiss Me Stupid, Millennium Mambo, Righting Wrongs, and Siri Noir. 30 movies to whet your appetite for the adventurous adventurous (laughs) film watcher that uh, we all really liked in 2022. Yeah, it's a great. This, this these lists have everything too. This is like you're covered. It has every genre. It has every type of movie. You won't be bored. And if you, yeah, if you're not in the mood for like, you know, a uh, world on a wire, you can uh, you take a trip to Italy, brother. And if I you're, just, I just encourage you, like, world on the wire. Yeah, just get Brigade of Death. Get Design for Living. Have a weird night. Watch them both back to back. Yes. <laughs> um, Jesse, thanks yeah. so much for joining well, us on this you, epic thank one. Thank you so much it, for having me. My first time being a guest. I, uh, I can't we, imagine. Oh, we, we will have you back because your knowledge is to. awesome. <laughs> and you're, well, you know, we've been talking movies for 20 years and it has not gotten old. <laughs> so it's good stuff. Yeah. You're a cinematic did, did database. You guys have any, uh, did you guys any have any discards, or is it, is it is the episode running too long as it? We're heading toward a little too long, but if you have a couple more you want to mention, you can go ahead. Okay, I had a couple just a quick. 
So one movie I wanted to put it on here, but I was just like, oh, man, this is too like freaky deaky. Um, so it's a movie called Angst, um, and it is wildly disturbing. But I feel it's like a very important movie. It's a serial killer. It's a driven movie. It's crazy. I highly recommend it if you are um, have the stomach for it. And I highly recommend checking that out. And one other one that like blew my mind, especially like with everything going on in the Russia, Ukraine, and all these things about bombs and being talked about. Um, Red from like 1984. Um, it's a movie that depicts a uh, neutral or like the Holocaust slash fallout. Um, and it feels like it's almost real and a little too close to home. So um, if you guys are into that kind of crazy stuff, I uh, might want to check it out. But it is, uh, it, it feels almost too real and not like a movie. It feels like it's a BBC documentary. It feels like, holy shit, this really happened. But it didn't. But like, you're like, okay, I need like five days to get this movie out of my head. So only for the faint of heart. Awesome. Yeah, I want. I have not seen either of those, and especially Angst has been on my list for a long time. But thank, thank you so much, man, for joining us. This has been such a treat. Um, next week, though, we return to Scott Scott for a double feature of Hannibal and Spy Game. Those make sense <laughs> together. We're doing it. That's, um, that's Hannibal is available for the moment. Yeah, on Prime to rent, or you can just rent it uh, as own right. Uh, Spy Game is on Peacock, or you can also rent it. Both are also on Blu-ray. And then the week after that, it's a Tony Scott solo operation. It's Man on Fire. Get ready, folks. We all have a lot to say about Man on Fire. That's one of my grandpa's Uh, favorite movies. That's a grandpa's choice. Grandpa's choice. Get ready. It's currently available to watch on Prime for the moment, but I think it ends at the end of the year, so it should be able to rent, and it is on Blu-ray. If you heard all 32, including Jesse's honorable mention movies there, and you're like, that, all of those suck. Every single one of them are garbage. <laughs> uh, send us an email at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com and let us know about it, or check in with us at Twitter at the Academy um let's get out of here this has been a amazing one of my favorite ones we've ever done but you're probably gonna need to put it into two sittings <laughs> so for patrick and jesse i'm don we will see you next week on the academy academy goodbye <laughs> <laughs> okay let me turn this up <laughs>